This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is a Fast Break Podcast, NBA trade deadline extravaganza. We are covering all eight major trades, seven major trades in this episode. We're also going to be talking to Jake about who's the best team in the Eastern Conference. We'll talk about Anthony Davis as well, not being traded. And uh, we'll even throw in a little bit of Wet Boys as well. Quick little segment, giving some love to uh, some guys that deserve it. Uh, I am Sean Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is Ricky Whitmer. What's up, what's up, guys? And Dave Oster. Hey, everybody. And today, again, obviously, it's the NBA trade deadline extravaganza. We are super excited about it. Before we jump into everything, don't forget to check us out on Twitter, twitter.com slash Podcast. Follow us for some great content over there. Also, if you're listening to us on iTunes or on Blog Talk Radio or Stitcher, I don't know if Stitcher or Blog Talk Radio have these opportunities or any podcasting service. If they do, mm-hmm. please review us. We'd appreciate it. You guys listen to us all the time. We see our, our, our numbers. You guys are, are coming in bunches, and we appreciate that so, so, so much. But if you have that opportunity... Give us a five star rating because we, uh, you know, love it, and we'd love to get this to more people. Uh, we'd love to, you know, have our opinions and this community uh, spread as far as possible. So, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for supporting. Uh, also, if you do want to support us just a little bit more, you think you don't think the uh, five stars is enough? Probably is, uh, but some people don't, and some people actually give to our Patreon, patreoncom podcast, and those people are absolute superstars. Uh, we're you know setting up all these uh, you know different. Uh, uh, appointments. We're going to have uh, our good uh, new patron, John, on uh, on February 22nd. So super excited to uh, have him on. And uh, we're going to jump into it now uh, for the NBA trade deadline extravaganza. We're going to start off in Toronto. Marc Gasol is moved from Memphis after being there for 10 years. Marc Gasol is now a Toronto Raptor, 34-year-old, just turned 34 on January 29th. Happy birthday, Mark. Uh, is now a Toronto Raptor. The deal is DeLon Wright, Jonas Valanciunas, and a second-round pick for Marc Gasol. What was your guys' immediate reaction to the Marc Gasol trade? Heist. This was a heist. <laughs> uh, the Raptors, by far, by far, like, it's not even fair. Like, JV is great. CJ, okay. But, come on, we're talking about Marc Gasol. We're talking oh, yeah, about... that's right, CJ, CJ Miles. Yeah, so I we're, forgot we're, we're talking about a guy who was a former defensive player there, former multi-time All-Star. He's one half of the Gasol brothers. He is in his own tier, and I just like, yes, this just works. I think this is something that the Raptors knew in their heads. They're like, look, we're good, but everybody else is making these improvements. We need to get something to put us over the top. We need to make sure we got that second piece, and defensively, they are disgusting now. Mm-hmm. Danny Green, Kawhi Leonard, OG Anubi, Pascal Siakam, Serge Ibaka, and now Mark freaking Gasol. <laughs> are you kidding? Who's going to score? Yeah, seriously. And and you look at this team, Ricky, um, just adding more veterans to this team. And we saw, you know, in the playoffs consistently, this team kind of falls out. Mm-hmm. Having this veteran president, I know Jonas was a huge uh, member of that, that locker room, but, you know, not only talent-wise, like Dave's saying, this has to be huge just for their playoff implications well, as well, right? And just to go off of what Dave was saying, not just the heist thing of what it means to the Raptors, but my first thought was, so you should have kept Fisdale, right? Like, Ooh. you should have kept Fisdale. Because remember, you got there. rid of Fisdale because Gasol's our guy. Now Fisdale's doing some good things. Future looks eh. bright in New York. I'm just going to say, future looks bright. Doesn't. And now Memphis, it looks like it's dark and gloomy. Not going to go full Dave on you, um, but that's for a different day. <laughs> For the Raptors, though, this will be an interesting move. And the reason why is my biggest question about it is 
Marc Gasol in general, where you look at Jonas Valanciunas. He was a guy that had to take a different role. He had to relegate himself to a certain role on this team. Is Marcus Gasol going to be that guy to, if he needs to be the sixth man, is he going to be okay being the sixth man? Is he going to be okay being a lesser role on a team? Because he was coming from Memphis where he was the guy. He was the star. It was him and Conley out there. And now he might be the thir- at most the third behind Ka- uh, Kawhi and Kyle Lowry. And if he's the sixth man, is he going to take on that role willingly and be okay with it? Not saying that he's not. But will he is the question. First off, last time the Knicks won a home game was December 1st. So, yeah. No, I'm just saying the future, doing some great stuff. The, the future um, looks bright. Duke has, won there. Duke has won more times at Madison Square Garden than the Knicks have. This uh, year. Yeah, this year. So, I, I don't think the future looks that bright. They might get KD and Kevin uh, Kyrie Irving. And if they don't, they just we trade Chris Dester. We all know you're a Nick hater, Sean. We I'm not a Nick know. hater. I just I, <laughs> I think that you know getting rid of your franchise for a guy who's been there for a year would be stupid. The Memphis Grizzlies made stupid moves not trading Tyreek Evans. Mm-hmm. So Signing Chandler Parsons, signing Mike Conley to the largest hit, his, uh, deal in uh, NBA history at the time. Those are dumb moves. Not trading away Marcus All, your franchise, uh, you know, that early would be a dumb move. Should have uh, kept uh, However, with Marcus All, I mean, you saw the start that he got off early in the season, the first 20 games uh, 47% from the field, 41% from three on 4.5 uh, attempts per game, nine rebounds, four assists, 1.7 steals, 1.3 blocks. 18 and a half points. He was absolutely phenomenal to start off this year. And then you look, you know, recently as well, what he's been able to do, um, kind of starting around, let's say, you know, the first, uh, then the ninth of uh, January, 46% from the field, 30% from three, which isn't great. Uh, but, you know, eight boards a game, 5.2 uh, assists per game, about 16 points per game. Uh, you know, you bring up the fact of him being uh, the sixth man. And I don't know if that's entirely going to be their look every single night. He didn't start for him in the first game, but also this has been a Raptor team that's been playing together for about 55 games now. Mm-hmm. And they've been using the same lineup for most of the year. I think going away from that right away would be kind of a mistake. You could have taken the shot you know, against New York because it is a lesser opponent. Um, you don't want to be trotting that out against you know Boston. You want to have you know make sure you have a homogenous team. Um, but I think the biggest thing that I like about this Marcus Gasol trade, not Mar- like love about this Marcus Gasol trade, is the fact that he's finally going to be playing for something. You know, this has been a guy that you know they've been in the playoffs before. Uh, Grizzlies not too long ago, too about two years ago, uh, they lost to the um, the the Spurs in in that first round series. Um, the last time they were there was 2016-2017, um, and he was playing fantastic. Last two times he's been in the playoffs, uh, it's past 17 games. He's put up you know 19.6 points per game on you know 50% shooting from three and 41% shooting from the field. Um, he's been a monster in in the playoffs, and he finally is able to go back there. And this might be one of his last times to get to the finals because this is a Toronto team that's loading up to get to the NBA finals. This could be his first time going to the finals, and this might be his last chance as well to be a great contributor on the team because he hasn't been a consistent contributor um, this year because of just his age, because of injuries slowing him down. And now he finally gets to play something because he did go through a tumultuous time last year with the David Fisdale stuff. He wasn't playing all the time in uh, Memphis. They were benching him uh, every now and then because he didn't want to play because he just didn't feel like it was worth it. Um, And this year too, like, you know, having J.B. Bickerstaff there and not having a ton of playing time and a ton of things to play for, you know, Memphis wasn't a place that was giving him that drive. And I think now having that drive back, and like Dave said, this is a former defensive player of the year. This is a former two-time uh, NBA, all-NBA player. This is a guy who's a former all-star. He still has skills. I mean, we see what his brother Paul was doing when healthy. I mean, Paul was still 
being able to contribute Paul off the Evolve bench. his game, though. He's still playing. It's well, nuts. And I think that Mark is, is, you know, a very similar guy. They still have very similar uh, mindsets. And, yeah. you know, Mark's been able to, you know, expand his game as well. He's become a pretty decent three-point shooter, yeah. uh, shooting around 35% for a big man, which is fantastic. Oh, it's amazing. Um, and, you know, if he's shooting less from three uh, on Toronto with a great passer, uh, you know, not really losing the facilitating ability between uh, Conley and Lowry, you know, and also having Kawhi out there. There's uh, more weapons. Yeah, and, and yeah. Siakam was a pretty decent passer as well who can at least create uh, drive into the bucket. Um, I think that Marcus Gasol is just going to increase his numbers. He's going to be super efficient. Um, you know, first game, he's not you know really gelling with this team. But once we come to the playoffs, Marcus Gasol is going to be a dangerous weapon. And when you're going up against guys like Joel Embiid, you need a player like Marcus Gasol who might not be super athletic like Joel Embiid is. It might not be as strong as uh... Embiid is, but positioning is huge when you're going up against players and he is a great player a very smart defender and he's proved i think you know when you look at Embiid's career when he's going up against Marcus All he has been the least efficient he's ever been in his career i think he shoots around 33% going up against Marcus All so Marcus All can possibly be an Embiid stopper something that i don't think they had with Jonas Valančiūnas I think it's a massive upgrade for this Toronto team. Let's not get ahead of ourselves and say Embiid stopper because the big thing, well, whether it's when, what, whether it's Embiid, whether it's going to be Brooke Lopez with Milwaukee, whether it's going to be Al Horford <laughs> with the Celtics. The don't thing, laugh at Splash Mountain. Don't laugh at Big Splash Mountain. Yeah, but the thing with all three of those, what can they do on their teams? Stretch the floor. And that's the thing where in a seven-game series, when you're playing Toronto, when you're playing Milwaukee, when you're playing the Celtics— is Gasol going to be able to stay out there if a team stretches out and goes more to that stretch big? I feel like this might be a situation, the crux in this, if he plays mm-hmm. great and can do that, fine, it's great. But the crux in it is when they had Jonas Valanciunas, they could say, yo, Jonas, it ain't working, no. we're sitting you. Mark Gasol, if you're going to him in a playoff series and saying, hey, we have to sit you, is he going to be a guy that goes, all right, coach, yes. I'm going to sit. Or is he going to be a guy that goes, no, I should be out there I, well, and causes here, a rift? The and will he be able to be out there if they stretch the floor? I'm going to go real quick. Yeah, yeah, be my guess. No, I don't think he's going to cause a rift because this is a guy who is a veteran. He caused a rift in Memphis because he thought it was his team and David Fisdale was coming in and saying, no, it's my team. Mm-hmm. Marcus Gasol is a guy that now is going to a different place. He doesn't have that same leverage as he did in, in Memphis. And I don't think he was in the wrong uh, with going and doing what he did in Memphis, he that was his team. That was the you know grit and grind days. Marcus All was the star of that team. He had every right to go and do that in Memphis. I don't think he's going to be doing that. In Toronto. He's a veteran. He knows why he's there. It's to win a championship. And if he does get benched, it might be for the right reasons. But also, I think he's going to do his absolute best to make sure he's helping this team out there. And when they do and go and stretch the floor, it's not a huge disadvantage if they have to take Marcus All out there because they have Abaka who can go in there and help that stretch. Dave, jump in. Yeah, the, the the two things to really point out for me are, you, you mentioned a couple of names, Brooke Lopez. It's not like he's out there being hyper-mobile or anything. He's a Thank big you. man who stands in the corner. I'm pretty sure Marcus Gasol can handle that in most mm-hmm. occasions. Joel Embiid, it's trailing threes. It's, it's when his team is moving the ball up court. Joe is a little bit slow sometimes intentionally, so they can set up J.J. Reddick coming off a screen and Joe coming up late. Give them an opportunity to take a three. Again, that one Gasol positionally he'll have to be aware of, but I think that's more of a once you are in a series, you watch the tape, you know what to expect out of them. Well, and the thing that I would worry about that is once if they do go to the trailing three, Gasol tries to bite for a steal because he is a great you know uh, anticipator. Yeah. Um, it's just if Embiid gets to it first, he's going to blow by Gasol. Yeah. That's the only thing that I worry is Embiid yeah. with a full head of steam going up. Embiid has got Embiid on foot speed. I will yeah. 100% agree But with in that. the post... 
I think that Gasol can definitely give him trouble. Yeah. So I think that matchup wise, it'll be interesting. But yeah, they've got the right guy to go right behind him with the small ball five in Serge Ibaka, who's had a resurgent year, who's still playing amazing defense. You know, I thought he was probably like 34, 35 at this point, but who knows what his actual age is. He's playing really well. So you got to give him credit. I, I don't, I'm with Sean. I think that if he's asked to take a smaller role in this team, he will adapt. I think he'll still be extremely effective and. He's known for his defense. He's known for that. He was, come on, he's grit and grind. Yeah. Like, I know we talk about grit and grind dying, but, like, he is the embodiment left of that at this point. You know, you've got, it's him and Conley, so. Well, and Zebo too, just got, you know, waved by the, the yeah, Mavericks, he, and he Tony Allen's gone, so. Approximately zero minutes playing time on the Kang, so. Yeah. I think the thing with Gasol, too, and I, I know this is going to be weird bringing this up because I don't think there's a ton of hockey fans from 2001 or whatever the avalanche won it but i think nope. this is might be similar to a possible ray bork trade for the uh colorado avalanche oh yeah totally ray if, bork you guys, trade. if you guys don't remember that uh ray bork was a great defender for the uh boston bruins and never got to the finals and never had that ability to get deep in, in, into the playoffs and never had that taste of uh championship success but was one of the best defenders uh of his era and probably of all time uh and he never had that opportunity was traded to colorado finally got that opportunity and seeing him finally reach the Stanley Cup and be able to lift it was this you know beautiful moment where he's crying on the floor. Like he was a guy that deserved a shot at the finals. Um, and I think that his brother Paul is the same way. Where when he went to LA, he got that opportunity. We saw what Paul was able to do. Paul was much younger in those days, and actually Paul and Mark were traded for each other uh, in that deal. I think Mark, this is his probably if not his last chance, you know, it's his second to last chance because he's probably going to accept that player deal and be in Toronto next year. Now will they be able to bring back Kawhi? That's going to be a big reason if they able to get back to the finals but this is for sure might be his last chance to get to the finals and be a huge piece be a six man and not be played off the floor i think this is going to be where marcus all empties the gas tank per se um and this might be the last great run of marcus all we can see and he's going to be motivated he's playing on a very good team that is fluid and can hide some of the inabilities that you're talking about ricky with his mm-hmm. you know inability to probably play you know quickly uh when when the floor stretch out i think marcus all is going to be fantastic for well, this team let me ask you this because you mentioned him accepting because to me this trade for the Raptors mm-hmm. is not just about the playoffs. Like, yeah, you want to win in the playoffs, you want to go far, you have Kawhi. But this is a long term move <laughs> in general. How? Could we see because you want to keep Kawhi, you're not just gonna have Kawhi. You're gonna want to go after either a big free agent or they've been in talks before the trade deadline. They were one of the sneaky teams that we had mentioned and other teams had mentioned to try to go and get Anthony Davis. The question I want to ask you is, let's say he accepts the player option like you said he probably will. What's the probability that the Raptors go, you're not the long term. We thought you were going to just not accept that and then maybe we could negotiate for a lesser deal or move on, that they try to flip him to try to bring in a different, like bring in either cap relief to try to get a free agent or... Try to flip him to free up cap room so, so they can make an AD next year trade. If he accepts and then try to trade. Yes. Well, I think the only reason they're making the, the AD trade was to make sure they can keep Kawhi. Now that's mm-hmm. off the table because I don't think they're going to be able to make that trade for Kawhi unless or AD unless they are you know able they want to give up Ananobi and then uh, Siakam Siakam. But even then, I don't know if that really gets that done because again, Toronto is most likely not going to have a you know great number one pick mm-hmm. even if they give up four if they're keeping Kawhi and AD. Yeah. Um, I think that was you know. That AD thing, I don't think any team ever got close. I don't think New Orleans wanted to trade him. And, you know, L.A. probably got the closest, but that probably wasn't even that close because I think New Orleans was just going to be like, all right, what else are you going to give us? Even if they gave up four and all five of the young players, they were just going to keep dragging on. I don't think any team got close. 
to getting Anthony Davis. I don't think they're going to trade him until this offseason where they can get the breadth of every no. every team's offer, and I don't think they're, they're going to be able to top L.A. or Boston. But will the Raptors try to move Gasol to try to free up cap space this well, offseason if he accepts on, it? It's dependent on how he looks, how he gels with the team, and then also if Kawhi resigns. If Kawhi resigns, I don't know exactly what the cap space is, is like, but if they're able to keep Marcus All and Kawhi, I don't see a reason why you go away from him if it's working. Because I mean, if you're going to have those six as you know this, the same starting five, and then Marcus All off the bench, uh, or you know Ibaka coming off the bench, whatever they find the the best starting lineup to be with these six players, um, you know if he accepts, I don't see a reason to really go away from him. Uh, that's why I'm saying like it might be a second to last chance mm-hmm. to win a finals because if Kawhi come, does come back, you're obviously going to get that, that that next shot. Um, but I don't really see a pressing need to get rid of him unless Kawhi leaves, because then you're kind of try to start the re- the rebuild a little bit sooner, or at least the retooling. Because you're going to have Ananobi, you're going to have Siakam, uh, but you're going to probably look to move Lowry as well, and and Gasol and point, try to quickly. Twenty six million in expiring contract. That's valuable to have on your team if if you're losing Kawhi Leonard yeah. at the end of next at the end of this year. I think that that following year of twenty six million available. Could be very intriguing to on how free agency plays out this year. Well, I think it's dependent on what you get, if what you're offered for Gasol too. Well, like yeah. If, if you're yeah. offered something that you know, like a first round pick to a team, I think that might be you, you know a little bit intriguing. Because if a team could take on Gasol's contract fully in the off season, then that 26 really doesn't matter because then you just freed up 26 right. uh, going into free agency this year. So uh, I think it's it, it's going to be dependent well, no, it's on what be happens. after because player contracts are after uh, the draft. So it's still. You're still, you're well, still can't, playing but with can't it. they still free it up before free agency starts? It's same time. Okay, same time. Um, but I'm used to 2K. I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> you trade whenever in that fucking game. Yeah. Uh, but I, I just I think that with Gasol, it's more dependent on what Kawhi does, and and that what, what it should be. Um, but again, we talked about how this changed the team. Do you think that this changes their standing in the Eastern Conference? Because I think that they're the best team in the Eastern Conference. Uh, we'll talk about that fully with Jake. Mm-hmm. Um, but where do you think this puts them if you had to you know, power rank the teams a little bit? Um, is this number one you know, territory for the Toronto Raptors? I refuse to answer the question until later. Well, we didn't really answer. I mean, no, no, I'm withholding. I'm right. withholding. You, they got to they gotta watch. The most I will say is it really doesn't move the needle for me. I feel oh. like any of the four can beat any of the other four on any given night. Is there any move that they could have made to move the needle? Like, Anthony Davis. Like, that's okay. okay. Any realistic so, move. Okay. No. Well, but, that, but that's fair. LeBron James. Just saying. If they get LeBron James, they're going to win. LeBron guys. James. I mean, I don't really hate that answer of Anthony Davis because Anthony Davis is totally going to move the fucking needle. So uh, that's going to do it for the uh, Marcus Saul uh, recap. I think they're the best team now in the Eastern Conference just because mm-hmm. of their depth, their you know now leadership as well, and Marcus Saul's now kind of revitalization, now more of a, uh, an incentive to play a little bit harder. I think he's going to be more efficient than we've ever seen him before. Memphis, why couldn't you get rid of Mike Conley too? Like, if you're going to move one half. And- and Parsons is coming back, y'all. Yeah. He gonna play. If I don't hate one not half, Conley. I don't know. I just feel like if you're gonna commit to a rebuild, commit to the rebuild. Don't but, don't keep around a max money contract if you don't have to. But I think what unless you think that he'll be valuable, unless you think he'll remain valuable. I think he might remain year. valuable, and especially once he gets to that last year, that it'd be easier to move, and they might get the most value for him. Because you um, think because we're thinking he's gonna take that player up. 
Like he'd be a guy. Twenty twenty one. Yeah. Season. No. Yeah. No. It's thirty. I'm just. I'm just asking. He's not going to turn down thirty four. I'm just. Gonna, I'm throwing it out there. Would a team want to trade for him next year? And could Memphis maybe move him next year? Could be year? interesting. I, kind could of be like Paul they George-ish. moved Gasol this year. Could, um, be, could be Paul. George-ish. I think he, he's he's definitely taking that thirty four million. Uh, the one thing they talked about though was having him around to be uh, J, uh, Triple J's uh, mentor. So I like that. Then yeah. Uh, so I, I think it's going to be an intriguing look yeah. for Memphis. Uh, but that's going to do it for the Raptors. Let us know what you think about the Raptors trading for Marcus All down in the comments below. But let's move into the next topic. Nikola Miritich is now a Milwaukee Buck. The deal is Nico to Milwaukee and the Pelicans get Jason Smith's expiring Stanley Johnson and then four second round picks. What was your guys' immediate reaction to this trade? I thought it was a complete steal uh, for Milwaukee. No, I love this for Milwaukee. They are adding a guy who last year for the Pelicans added a boost for them in the playoffs. I know that it didn't end the way they had wanted to, but the Bucks are a team that need outside shooting, especially from that four position, and they get it from Nico, and they basically give up Jason Smith and a guy in Stanley Johnson who they flip right away mm-hmm. because they trade for him moments earlier with the uh, Pistons and said, oh, no, you're going to New Orleans. It was pretty much Jason Smith and Thon Maker mm-hmm. for yeah. the 4-4, yeah. which I, would, I think is a great deal. Yeah, absolutely. I think, well, Stanley Johnson's a little more accessible for the Pelicans. They they might have some use for him, mm-hmm. potentially. But, yeah, no, the Bucks absolutely knocked out of the park with this. Nico is much-needed spacing to this team. When he comes back healthy— You've got Big Splash Mountain at the five. You can roll Nico at the four, Thon at the three, and then obviously you've got uh, Chris Mid as well as Bledsoe. Like that is that's dirty, and also they get to play around with a lot of bench depth too. But I just I think this spacing address is perfect. It's exactly what they need because Giannis attacks the basket like basically nobody we've seen before. Yeah, and. When he does so, defenses collapse. The Bucks have been one of the best teams at getting wide-open threes all year. Since the start of the year, they had a ridiculous stat about it. Um, but adding in another guy who's an absolute sharp shooter from the outside, great offensive player, Nico, he will hustle on defense, but he can be abused on pick and rolls. So that is the one thing that I have to say that, like, without – I don't know if you can have – both Brook Lopez and Nico out there at the same time together because that just could create a well, huge liability. And the biggest thing with that is your best defender is Giannis, who yes. I, th- he, I mean, he's shown to be a rim protector. He can guard one through five. Yeah. So the thing with him is, like, you're going to have to be very flexible if you are playing those three out there um, with your defensive positioning because you look at the teams, and we'll use Boston and Toronto uh, specifically just because, you know, I think Brook Lopez on Marcus Gasol will be, you know, something that I think is fair. But when they go to the traditional starting lineup of Apaka, that's going to stretch out Brook Lopez. Then you have Siakam driving on Nikola Mirotic, which I will take Siakam all day, every day. Um, and then you have Kawhi, uh, Giannis on Kawhi, which is just going to open up that lane for uh, P- Pascal Siakam to drive a little bit more. So I think that's going to be something where if Nikola is going to be up against Siakam, Siakam might have some just killer games. Uh, up against Milwaukee. And then if you look at Boston, I think this is where they're kind of leaving themselves the most vulnerable because, you know, Al Horford stretching the floor, that's going to leave the the, the paint open uh, with Brooke Lopez stretching out. And then Giannis, will Giannis have to play back and and down low because then you're going to have possibly, you know, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Gordon Hayward uh, out on the wing that you're going to have to cover. 
I think that's just going to be a nightmare for them defensively if they're playing all three of those guys out on the floor, and that's where you're going to have to get you know very. Bud will have to be very good about his rotations. I think mm-hmm. it. Uh, I'm, I absolutely love the move. It, it addresses a clear need. Yeah. They need an additional score out there, but it does add some intricacies with what kind of a rotation he will need to use. It's hard to hate the move when you didn't give up this much. Yeah, like you're you're improving your team no matter what which way you cut it because you didn't give up a ton in value. Um, it's just now how are you going to work the value? I, I think that you definitely improve your team, which is in in the end what you want to do. Um, and again, we talked about this. It's I think it's kind of like what you know Dw- they were trying to do in Orlando with Dwight with uh, Giannis is you know just having that collapsing defense on you know it was Dwight in the post, and then Dwight would just kick it out um, and they'd swing it around for open threes. Um, it's now going to be Giannis either in the post or Giannis driving and then kicking it out for open threes. Uh, it's going to be similar to that formula, but. It's just now defensively, how can they really adapt to it? Um, do you see a way, Ricky, that they, they can adapt to it with at least I, Mirtich and Lopez in the starting lineup? I don't see a problem. Like, to me, it's not as big a problem as what you're saying because, like, you look at Nico and his teams, when he's on the court, have not been bad defensive teams. And he usually has plus in the plus minus, and he's mm-hmm. rated well in the plus minus. But the thing is, too, with Nico. You don't have to play him at the power forward. You can also play him at the three. He has spent a little bit of time at the three, so maybe they have Giannis and Nico out there. Maybe it's like, okay, Giannis is at the four, you're at the three, or they just go, but who cares? We don't care who's at which well, because you're both forward. Here's the thing with the plus-minus. Plus-minus can be totally screwed up, and if mm-hmm. you look at New Orleans, what they were last year, and at least the last two years when you know Nico came over at the trade deadline, um, Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis have been two of the like when they're those two are on the floor, the Pelicans have one of the best plus minuses just because of those two's ability uh, defensively and then obviously offensively. And you have a rim protector in Anthony Davis who can stop guys driving and slowing down any guy who gets past Miritich. So you have one of those guys um, in Anthony Davis who's one of the best, if not the best defender in in the NBA. Um, Giannis is like that, but I think Giannis is going to be playing defensively on the perimeter, which is going to be something that is obviously going to slow them down. That's why I think with, you know, if they go up against a Boston team and they just have, you know, Tatum on one side of the court isolating Miritich and Jalen Brown on the other side or flip-flop them, whatever you want to do, um, and Giannis is guarding the other guy if they're playing man-to-man, that's just going to lead uh, for open opportunities for them to drive and attack Miritich. And that's where I think the problems are going to end up lying um, is just, you know, having smart coaches who can, you know, really attack them. I mean, even then, I mean, Embiid's a fairly decent floor spacer as well mm-hmm. when they're going up against Philadelphia. I mean, Tobias Harris driving on Mir- Miritich, that's going to be something that I think they, they can abuse as well. Or if, God forbid, they play him with a three and, you know, they have Ben Simmons driving on Miritich or they have, uh, you know, Jimmy Butler driving on Miritich. Like, this is going to be something that I think they can abuse. I mean, this Nico can go straight up with guys. It's it's getting him on the pick and roll is where he really suffers, though. I think that's the thing is if, they, if you start to see like a Kyrie Irving get to abuse him, mm-hmm. Kyle Lowry, if he has if he's rolling in that series, I think that's where I would start to get concerned. But for the most part, I think like the the Nico thing's been overplayed, and I get it. Play next to AD, it's very easy mm-hmm. to make well, up. Well, I mean, for that. even this year where AD has missed more games, he's plus one and a half, which is top twenty among power forwards this season. I mean, so he's a average power forward. Well, and no, I'm not saying he's anything. Like, he's um, not supposed to be. Spectacular. Yeah. No, but that's I mean, the thing. That's what I'm saying. Like his yeah. defensive thing is maybe maybe we've overblown it to an extent, but I think straight up he's not terrible. It's the help defense. It's the coming around screens. At which point he is abused, and I've seen it happen as a Bulls fan. I've seen it happen watching the playoffs last year. 
So I think that's one of the areas where, like, again, Bud is the guy you got to trust. And he's the right kind of coach, though. He, you know, he took that Atlanta team of role players, basically, to the playoffs and, and their best season. And well, I think that by adding Giannis to a team of good role players or above average role players in this case, um, it, it's he's got a lot of success. I'm not down the coaching at all. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to be fair because we brought up, we tried to bring up as much negatives as we could mm-hmm. for Marcus All. Um, I, I, again, I, I think it's tough to find negatives in this trade because, again, you're, you didn't give up enough value. I don't think you're hurting your team. In mm-hmm. the end, you're, you're definitely helping your team. And, again, we're talking offensively. This is going to improve their ability to shoot from the outside. And going to open for as a backup, too. Well, and yeah. that's the thing. That's the reason why I feel like they had to make this move because Urson coming in off of the past few years, it's been like, oh, he's going to be really good. This year he has not been anything really special for that team off the bench. And this is something where maybe they were feeling like, hey, we don't feel that confident in Urson to be that second guy off it. If Nico isn't even starting and he comes off the bench, maybe we feel more confident in a Nico coming in rather than an Urson because yeah. of how he's played this Absolutely. year. Absolutely. Well, and also you move away from Thon. And Thon just has not been able to be... Thon make a shot. He's, he's not been able to make shots. Uh, he's also just not been able to be extremely consistent. Yeah. Um, when you look at their you know typical lineup, their uh, their starting lineup, like they have Giannis out there, they have Brooke Lopez, they have Brogdon, they have Bledsoe, they have Middleton. Uh, that's been the lineup mm-hmm. thrown out there for 44 games here. Um, I think that it's going to change because Brogdon as a six-man is something that is just dangerous, uh, and you know we've seen Chris Mid play the two before, and having that length, I think you know it's especially disgusting. with Mirtich out there, it, yeah. it's going to be extremely disgusting. I mean, all those guys can pass the ball still, and Brogdon, he's going to be able to spell Bledsoe. I think he's a better shooter oh, uh, he, than, than Bledsoe. He's an amazing shooter. Yeah. I so, mean, come on, he's on our team in France. You know how good of a shooter he's he is. He's extremely efficient. So I think having those two spell each other in Bledsoe and, and, and Brogdon is going to be something that is going to be looked at a ton. Uh, when it comes to Milwaukee. So what you're saying is maybe, let me paint this out, Eric Bledsoe at the one, move Brogdon to the six man, Chris Mid up to the two, have Nico and Giannis just out there, three, four, whatever, and then have Brooke out there at the five. Yeah, Brooke's at the five. I don't know what they're going to do. Giannis or, I think it's just, it doesn't well, matter. You can it doesn't just, matter. It's whatever, whoever's yeah, four. Wings. It's just going to matter the defensive yeah. matchup mm-hmm. when they go man-to-man. I, I think it would be interesting, though, to possibly... Uh, I know it's not technically legal, but I mean, NBA teams still get away with it. Uh, playing a zone, uh, I think you know, possibly just looking at putting Giannis in the middle of three, two, uh, two three zone. Yeah. Uh, like, I don't know exactly how it will work because then you have Miritich closing out on shooters on the outside, uh, and Brook Lopez shooting out, closing out on shooters on the outside. But I think it's something that could be looked at. And then you know, even if you throw out Brogdon out there and you have Nico or uh, you know Giannis play the five, and then Miritich play the four. And then throw out Middleton. I think that would be even something yeah. too. Um, I mean, if, they, if they go small, zone. like they're deadly. Yeah, absolutely deadly. I think that might be their best lineup. Is I, if, although Brooke Lopez has be been surprised. fantastic, I, I think that might be their best lineup. Yeah. Is going small. One question I'll throw out there because this trade, even though it happened a little bit, a lot of bit earlier, it's how they got Jason Smith to be offered up in this trade. Does George Hill do anything for him? Like, is George Hill a guy where? It's like, oh, we'll see what he does, or is he going to play some big bench minutes and help them in the playoffs? I think that he's going to be definitely used. I just don't know what to what extent because he seems like a guy that, again, he's a veteran player. He's a good defender. 
Um, he could be decent from shooting on the outside. He's, I mean, he has playoff experience. Um, I don't think he's an impact guy. I think he's a guy that can give you good hustle minutes. Um, but, I, I, again, I think with Brogdon and Bledsoe, those guys are going to get the bulk of playoff minutes. Um, I, I think I, I don't think he's going to be a huge impact, if that's what you're asking. Yeah, I um, think he, he's probably good for about 8 to 12 tops. Anything more than that, there's something not going right. Mm-hmm. And I think that they're probably going to you know, still use Tony Snell, too, just because he, he has had spots where he has been a great three-point shooter. Yeah. Um, I think that they could look, though, you know, with a Snell, uh, George Hill lineup, at least coming off the bench, uh, and having, you know, George Hill's defense and then Tony Snell's uh, shooting ability from the outside. Uh, but I, I, I don't still see a way how this— Takes away minutes from Giannis at all. I still think Giannis is going to play like 42 minutes in the playoffs oh, when it comes to it. So 42? Uh, well, that seems low. Well, he's played only 40 in the past two series. Yeah. Uh, so, but if he wants to win a series, he might need to turn it up a notch. Yeah, I think. He, but he's he's going to be a. Like, Sorry, that was a knock. <laughs> just. I think he's going to be you know just consistently out there on the floor I think for it's for, just for the Bucks and the it's, head it's, coach. Like yeah. it's, it's all the difference in the world this year for this team. So mm-hmm. giving him another weapon. It's a great move. All right. Uh, where does this put them, though, in the, in the Eastern Conference? Well, they we're, were number gonna... one. Huh? They were number one on the on the standings. They they are still number one on the standings. So, I, and is anyone taking them still as the number one team, though? Well, yes. we'll talk about that in the big thing with Jake, but... Yes, and I feel like if I'm ranking moves right now as we're talking about them, this, to me, moves the needle more for the Bucks than Marcus Hall moved the needle for the Raptors. Yeah, I disagree. I actually agree with Ricky on this. I think the Bucks get... Much needed scoring, and that's it's exactly what the doctor ordered. You got spacing, you got scoring, and you now have a potential small ball lineup that is deadly from the outside. A couple see, threes a day keeps the doctor away. I don't see how this gives makes them a matchup nightmare at all. Like I don't think this is a game changer. Like mm-hmm. it's going to help them without a doubt. Um, but I think Marcus All can help them win a series more than Nico can help them win a series. But I if think, you look I at think, the wins Milwaukee has, like uh, there's a it's a ridiculous number of double digit wins. Like their games are not close. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true to the point of Giannis early on can put them so far ahead. Yeah. And because his shooting as long as his shooting around him maintains he's in business. And I think this is exactly what well, they needed. But even then we saw if we're if we're relying strictly on shooting, yes. and and this is different because Giannis and this player are completely different. If we're relying on shooting, let's look at Houston. I mean, Houston last year went cold as fuck from three, and that's how they lost the series. So if those guys aren't able to hit shots uh, around Giannis, then is that going to drastically change this team's outlook? And and absolutely, you know, Mirotic isn't a guy that's red hot every single night. When he's red hot, there's not he a player hotter. Fuego. I think well, uh, Clay Thompson. <laughs> Clay Thompson, that's 100% yeah, true. 37 and 3. Uh, 37 <laughs> and a quarter. Uh, in what, 14 threes? What did he hit? 15 threes against the Bulls? Stupid numbers. Uh, but it hurt us. I, I think that, again, he's a guy that can go extremely cold. Bledsoe's a guy that can go extremely cold. Uh, Lopez, once he hits the playoffs, is he going to be able to? Because he was garbage uh, in Los Angeles last year. Um, I, I just I, I worry about their ability to go cold. And if you know that happens, Giannis can put up 40, but that's happened before in the playoffs, and they haven't done shit. Right. Uh, they haven't advanced the second round yet. I think they're going to get to the second round for sure this year. Uh, but you know, if if one of these guys goes cold and they drop two games because of it, it's going to be a hard hole to dig yourself out of. So that's my biggest question, at least with that. I think Marcus, though, that's a, a it's a series changer because you could possibly slow down you know the Sixers' best scorer and Joel mm-hmm. Embiid uh, just because of his his ability. You can take him from twenty eight a night down to like twenty or nineteen, uh, and that's going to put more pressure on Ben Simmons, who's you know extremely young there. Uh, I don't think this is, you know, 
taking pressure off Giannis per se. I think it's just taking pressure off of other shooters. If only Giannis was LeBron, man. LeBron is the only one that we have talked about in an East where it's like, oh, you don't have anything? Oh, you have a mediocre roster? Oh, he's still going to go to the finals. Yeah, like, I, wonder, I wonder if that has to do with him being the best player of all time. I, but let's move into the next topic, and we are going to welcome on a special guest. I knew the moment that this trade went down that this guy was going to be on this segment. Uh, we're going to welcome in our patron, Jake. Uh, we're going to be having a special Jake segment next month, so definitely keep your eye out uh, on that around the first week of March, first or second week of March, uh, but definitely keep okay. an eye out on that. Jake, welcome back to the podcast, and we're talking about your 76ers making the trade for Tobias Harris, now having a starting lineup of Ben Simmons, J.J. Redick, Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, and Joel Embiid. Uh, first, talk about the reaction you had uh, when you first realized that you guys were getting Tobias Harris. Yeah, I was just talking to my friend playing PlayStation. He even he told me like read the uh, Wojnarowski's tweet, and I like didn't believe him. I kind of laughed. Then I was went on and I read it myself, and I was like, "Holy shit, they're going for it!" Ellen Brand is giving up everything to go for it, and I mean, I was super excited and even watching the game last night. It was kind of crazy that the Sixers actually have like five good players instead of three, and um, I mean, I mean, I'm excited that they finally the process kind of is now complete, I would say. All the assets are gone. The four stars we wanted are here, and even watching last night, they kind of even had five stars after J.J. Redick just exploded. Yeah, seriously, the best player in that game was J.J. He was shooting um, fire. Yeah, I mean, J- Jill was sick, but um, looking at that game, I mean, J.J. Redick rose to the occasion. Uh, the full trade is Philly receives Tobias Harris, Boban, and Mike Scott, Toby, and Bobby are staying together. You can't split up greatness. <laughs> <laughs> and the Los Angeles Clippers receive uh, Landry Shamit, Wilson Chandler, Mike Muscala, who's now uh, a Laker, uh, Philadelphia's 2020 first-round pick that is protected, Miami's 2021 first-round pick that's unprotected. They got that in the Zaire smith and Mikhail Bridges flip, and then Philadelphia's 2021 second-round pick and Philadelphia's 2023 second-round pick. Dave, the question that we are framing this as is, do the Sixers now have the second-best starting lineup? If you do want to make the argument they have the best over the Warriors, be my guest. I don't think anyone's that dumb on this podcast. Um, But you can go out and and say, uh, do you think that they have the second-best starting lineup in the NBA? They do have the second-best starting lineup in the NBA. They have four all-stars. They've got an incredible wealth of talent out there. There is they, they pretty much went back and fixed the spacing issues they had by adding Tobias Harris on this team. He's a versatile wing who can run with the ball in his hands, out of his hands, doesn't matter. But that is vital because they they just needed that. It was something that, after moving Dario, they kind of lost out on. And obviously they've been you know sliding in rotational players, but it doesn't come close to the amount of talent that Tobias Harris brings to that team. Yeah, I will say that Tobias Harris wasn't an all-star, but was a snub, kind of like Ben Simmons yeah, uh, last year, losing it to uh, Goran Dragic. Uh, but, Ricky, do you think that you're at least agreeing with uh, Dave and I know Jake that mm-hmm. these Sixers now have the second-best starting lineup in the NBA? I mean, I want to say on paper, yes, they do. Like, if you look at names on paper, yes, the 76ers should have the second-best one. But I will say... It's not all about what's on paper. There is part of me that thinks like, oh, okay, if they went up against the Rockets, the Rockets could beat them in a seven-game series. They went up against Boston, although that series now becomes a little bit closer with Toby being on the team, but Boston still has a pretty good lineup. I feel like this is a question of like, yes, on paper, they do have the second-best lineup, but will this on paper lead to them 
doing anything once they get to the playoffs. Yeah, I don't think I need to answer the question. I think, again, on paper, they probably do. I think I agree with you that Boston's probably third. Um, if they did have Gordon Hayward fully healthy and mm-hmm. Gordon Hayward fully consistent, I think Boston would have a great argument with Kyrie, Jason Tatum, J- Jalen Brown, uh, Gordon Hayward, and then uh, Al Horford. Uh, mostly, though, they've been running Marcus Morris, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Kyrie Irving, and Al Horford, and I would still take the uh, Sixers over that one. Uh, but, Jake... Obviously, the starters are there, but a big problem that you've been bringing up to to me and Twitter and just every time you've been on this podcast is the lack of depth um, that the Sixers have. They got rid of Fultz. They got rid of Muscala, who you were not a fan of. Do you think that they've done enough to not only address the starting lineup, uh, but do you think they've also done enough to address the depth on this team with acquiring Mike Scott, uh, acquiring Bobby, and also getting Jonathan Simmons in the Fultz trade? Yeah, I think think without question they're the second-best starting lineup in the league. Um, I think off the bench, they definitely did a good job getting the wings they needed. I still think they're missing a second ball handler off the bench. I know TJ. I'm a, I love TJ. Big fan of him. But relying on him to play big minutes in the playoffs is not going to be um, great, I would think. And I'm really hoping people get bought out. I really hope Jeremy Lin gets bought out from Atlanta because he would be absolutely perfect. And I was kind of hoping Wesley Matthews or Wayne Ellington would come here, but apparently they'd rather go to Detroit and Indiana. And get that playing compete. time. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, Boban off the bench fixes the need for the backup big man, and then uh, we got the regional manor, manager, Mike Scott, and James Dennis is just exactly what they needed. They need that player who's dirty, 3 and D, and just doesn't need the ball in his hands off the bench, and he's perfect. Yeah, quiet pickup in James Dennis. Uh, the one question I will uh, go back to with um, would be the fact that Brett Brown did roll out Jimmy Butler as a point guard uh, not too long ago. Do you think that that's a viable option if you're not able to get a guard in the buyout market? Yeah, it's viable um, in the playoffs. I just I, I don't want him to have to play 40 minutes a game in the regular season like he did for Thibodeau back in the day. I don't, don't think that's reliable for anybody to do long term. So I would like to get a second ball hander, but if they have, are forced to use Jimmy Butler in that role in the playoffs, then I think they'll be all right. I think the biggest question now, Dave and Ricky, would just be the fact that we look at what happened last year in that Boston series, and Brett Brown was just such an Achilles heel um, to them winning that series. Because you look at the talent, and they were in most of those games, especially the one in Philly, um, where, you know, crazy shot uh, thrown up by uh, Bellinelli, I think. Oh, my uh, God. To to, to tie the game up and send it into overtime, and then just they weren't able to. Should have won it, but that just just, just did a little three-point line. Weren't able to execute an OT. Um, do you think that they now have the talent to possibly come up, uh, come over and overcome uh, the shortcomings that Brett Brown does have as a coach and the ones that we brought up on this podcast? I think they do. The, the big contributor is really Jimmy Butler in all of this. He's someone who is known for being able to take over late in game, and he's proved that pretty much since he's been on this team, his instant transformation on this team was like, I was like, I think game one or two of him being here was him with a game winner. And it's just he has that uh, special factor when it comes down to the line. He's able to kind of guide these young kids through it because he is someone who's played in deep in playoff runs. I don't want to say deep because mm-hmm. he hasn't made it to a championship, but he's played in playoff runs. He's got that experience about him. He's a little bit older than a lot of these guys. I think he is that X factor to help guide them because Brett Brown may still have some lineup concerns and rotational issues. I know last year, you know, there was the Ben Simmons conundrum of, well, Ben can't be on the floor. And then, like, even when TJ was performing extremely well, they pulled him off because, like, these are valuable minutes for Ben to have, and he's he's the better player, but he wasn't playing better that day. Mm-hmm. So I think that giving them that gluttony of top-end talent will help fill in for their bench depth. But Brent Brown, oh, man, he is just... No, I'm going to say Jimmy Butler counters it. No, Jimmy Butler will counter 
whatever whatever mistakes or foibles he makes. Ricky. Brett Brown's a scapegoat. He's getting fired at the end of the year. That's what I think. Even if they win a championship? No, no, no. <laughs> well, He's I, getting fired no matter what. I don't Fuck think him. I don't think the Philadelphia is going to win a title. Even if they mm-hmm. get to the finals, I think the Warriors, no matter who they play, would win and against any team in the East. Maybe the Bucks Warriors would be a East. team that could give them some, a run. Well, the Celtics would be interesting. We're going to get into that, though. Yeah. But for me, it comes down to the rotations for Brett Brown. And I feel like... Like Dave was saying, can this front-end talent of like, hey, if our starters ball out, can that be enough to counteract? And I'm going to say no because I feel like the two guys that I look at that are going to be most important, of course, TJ will, but the additions is Boban and then Jonathan Simmons, where Jonathan Simmons is a guy who gave at least 20 minutes a night in Orlando. If he gets that same kind of average in Philly – what are you going to give at that two, at that three? But then also, Boban, what are you going to do when you're on the court? And will that be enough? But Boban's thing, like the most predictable person in the NBA. But mm. the thing I don't believe in yeah. is I don't believe that Brett Brown is going to put them in the right situations to be successful. Ah, to okay. in the playoffs, we are criticizing Brett Brown's moves, and then Philly will make a move because they want to win a title with these players, and they're going to have to renegotiate with Toby if they want to keep him after this year. Yeah, their plan is that they want to keep all four mm-hmm. uh, players that they, they received, and if they're you know trading what they did to get Tobias Harris, they definitely better keep him. Uh, but Jake, talking about Brett Brown putting him in the right situations, what do you think this team and this, these you know four stars plus J.J. Redick plus the bench uh, depth that you've acquired, what do you think the right situations are for the Sixers to be successful and possibly leading into the next conversation to be the best team in the Eastern Conference? Their bench just can't. They, the Sixers have a very big problem of deciding to blow 20-point leads in about half a quarter. Yeah. It always happens. It's either right before halftime or right before the start, or right at the end of the third quarter. They always do it. So if they could just not have to play Furkan Korkmaz or Amir Johnson in big minutes because they finally have bench pieces, I mean, I'd much rather would have gotten Terrence Ross and Jonathan Simmons from the Magic, but I guess they didn't even they didn't try. But I, I just think if they could just find some consistency on the bench defensively, they'd be fine. The scoring isn't the issue. That starting lineup is going to give you a, a lot of points, and especially if J.J. Eric's going to keep going like he was last night. Just say 100 points. Just, <laughs> yeah, 100 points. Literally, we got the James Bond villain, Boban. We got James Ennisina with hit threes and Mike Scott. I don't know exactly what to expect of him, but as long as they can bring us like consistency defensively, that's all they need. Well, I think one thing, too, is hopefully Mike Scott can bring you some shooting because uh, he, he is a guy, guy who can stretch the floor a little bit, and uh, you know, hopefully he can be similar level to Muscala because you know, I know Muscala wasn't great and you weren't a, a huge fan of him, but I don't like you him. know, he was he's Muscala was you know, required to play more minutes than I think Mike Scott will be. Um, so if he's you know, doing the same thing in less amount of minutes, I think it'll be something that's a little bit more uh, palatable for the 76ers. Uh, final question that I have for you guys is how does Tobias Harris kind of help this team? Is there any way that Tobias Harris hurts this team? Personally, I think it's a great addition because, Dave, you brought up a little bit about Jimmy Butler's playoff experience. Obviously, Joe and Ben had their playoff experience last year. The thing that Toby doesn't have is playoff experience. But to bring a little bit of baseball in here, I've been researching some things, and uh, you know everybody kind of remembers, if you're a baseball fan, you remember Daniel Murphy's crazy run of uh, in his first nine playoff games, he had seven home runs. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was looking up things. 
There was a guy who actually beat that. It was Carlos Beltran. He had <laughs> eight home runs in his first nine games. And I didn't even know about that. I just found it through a little bit of research. The thing that they did have in common, though, was they didn't make it to the playoffs until year seven of their career. Right now, Tobias Harris is a seven-year veteran. He's a guy that is, you know, gotten a ton of playoff, you know, playing time. Uh, he's played over 500 games in his career. He's gone every single place probably imaginable. He's gone in Milwaukee to start his career. Orlando went to Detroit, and then to the Western Conference in the Clippers, and then now back to Philadelphia. He knows the Eastern Conference. He knows what it's like. He's very acclimated to this game. He's a guy with low usage that can put up great numbers, with putting up 20 points per game with a very low usage in uh, Los Angeles. I think this was a fantastic addition. I know some people are worried about the 2020. 21 Miami pick, but also it's Pat Riley out there. Mm-hmm. Pat Riley's not going to throw out a stinker of a team. He's going to continue to overpay for mid-range guys. Exactly, and they're going to be a fine team that makes the playoffs every single year. So, yep. you know, you might have lost a you know pick that's around 14 to 15. When was the last time Miami was this bad that they had a top pick? I think their best pick Dwayne recently was Wade? Justice Winslow at 10, and then oh, Dwayne yeah. Wade uh, you know, very long ago, and that was before Pat Riley even got there, I believe. True. Uh, so I think that Tobias was a fantastic pickup. But is there any way that they hurt him, or is it only a positive for Tobias Harris in the pickup room? The thing that I think, and I'll just jump in really quick before Jake is— Jake can finish it off. It's fine. I just—I feel like the biggest thing for Toby is he's not ahead. He's not an ego in the room. Where you've got Joe, you've got Jimmy, you've got Ben. They're kind of like your big three. Toby's a J.J. Reddick kind of guy in my mind, where, yes, he's not as old as J.J. Yeah. With being 26— Toby's going to come in and be the like consummate veteran of like, I'm going to come in, I'm going to know my role, I'm going to find where I fit on this team, and then I'm going to fit into that role and do what I have to do to win. He's not going to be a guy that comes in and says, this is my team or creates problems. And that is one of the best things that this does for the Sixers is, yes, he's going to help you on the court because he's a good basketball player, but also... He's going to meld in and whatever you role that he feels like he'll fit in or whatever role you want to put him in, he's going to do that role because he wants to help the team win. And he's just going to be a good veteran for the Sixers. Yeah, I think you nailed it when you said, you know, he's a low usage guy, but he can really excel in that role. He will let the game come to him. And that's one of the most impressive things about the Sixers team is when you have a ball handler, especially as Ben Simmons, he's able to create miss. Uh, mismatches and draw a lot of attention to himself driving the lane because of his limited skill set offensively, which means that if guys really key on him driving in, he can pull defenses in and set up better shots for players like Tobias Harris, who has absolutely no problem pulling the trigger on the outside. He's a great shooter. 66% in just one game with the Well, yeah, I mean, it was, it's one game. Yeah. I know it's one game. He was, like, he was two of three. three. We took I mean, three threes. if he keeps up and has better than the that would be 42 a than he has, then yeah, he's going to be fine. 42 is amazing that. already. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, oh my God. They're, they're thankful to have a four <laughs> out there who can do that. But again, he's he can play small, he can play big. And I think he allows them to get in some really great matchups because he can switch on guys. He's not known for being a, a massively above-average defender, but he can at least hold his own, which is something you need when you're going up against those other teams who are so wing-heavy. Jake, before we get into the best team in the Eastern Conference discussion, final question I have for you. I'm going to change it up a little bit. I don't think you see any negatives in this Tobias Harris trade, right? No. Okay. Um, so what I want to ask then is with this team, and, and we kind of alluded to this to you, um, what would be better for the 76ers? Well, let me phrase it this way. Um, if or What point after making this trade in the playoffs does Brett Brown need to go to to keep his job? Uh, okay. 
Um, well, no, because no, no, we, we talked least. about that, and I didn't I would hear say, your opinion. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I would say Eastern Conference Finals at least. I think this team, like here later, is the best team in the East, and I think that they have the talent to go all the way. And they could, I mean, they could lose in the second round, but if it's not blatantly his fault, I don't, I still don't think he gets fired. I just think, um, first of all, we had to see how the team gels. Obviously, the first game was good, but we saw that with Jimmy too. It was good, and then we went through rough patches. So we got to get past this honeymoon phase, and then we'll see, and then we can set realistic expectations for the team. And then the final thing would be, if you're able to re-sign Tobias Harris, but Jimmy Butler walks, um, are you going to feel slighted about that? Because you know, although you're not going to have four stars, you're still going to have three stars next year. So, I mean, will it seem as a loss if you're not able to sign all four guys next year? If, as long as you're keep, able to keep three, will you be happy as a 76er fan? I'd be disappointed, but I really, honestly, with how Jimmy's played down the stretch, yesterday he was great. He was fantastic. 14 and 14 from the free throw, and he's awesome. But before that. I'm really hesitant to give him the five-year deal because he's been pretty crappy offensively and defensively. He's always there, but he kind of seemed like lackluster, like not focused the last couple of weeks. Maybe with this trade, he's like re-engaged, but um, we'll see down the stretch. I think getting to buy Harris is almost a look at Jimmy going, if you don't re-sign, we still got this guy and we're still a top team in the East. So um, if Jimmy truly wants to win, then he'd stay, but we'll see if it's true personality or demeanor if he doesn't leave stay. But let's move into the main event after the three-course uh, appetizer, I guess, with the uh, Raptors, with the 76ers, and with the Bucks discussion. Uh, now we're talking about best team in the Eastern Conference. We have four guys. Jake's still joining us, if you haven't uh, heard us. Jake, uh, our, our lovely patron, uh, who is going to be on a special uh, segment next month. Super excited for that. Uh, mm-hmm. But we're all going to take a team. So Jake's going to take a team. Dave's going to take a team. Uh, Ricky's going to take a team. And I'm going to make a team. And we're just pretty much going to make the argument of why they're the best team in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Indiana fans, sorry you're not a part of this, but you lost your superstar in Victor <laughs> Oladipo. So we're going to... Someone needs to tell them because they keep winning games. <laughs> <laughs> they're on a four-game win streak in six and four of the last ten. Uh, and they just got Wesley Matthews. So, hey, maybe they are the best team in the Eastern Conference. But I think most people would agree that the consensus best four uh, would be Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, and Philly. Shockingly, Jake, the Philadelphia 76er fan, thinks that the Philadelphia 76ers are the best team in the Eastern Conference. So, Jake, give us the pitch on why Philadelphia is the best team in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, being completely not biased here, they have the best <laughs> starting lineup because, or the best team, because they're the starting lineup is nobody can match up with them. Absolutely nobody. And they have the only guy who can even somewhat guard Giannis and Pinacupo and Ben Simmons. He's the only guy who can kind of be a freak of an athlete and actually guard him. They have Jimmy Butler, who's also a great on-ball defender. And then Joel Embiid is one of the best, if not the best, rim protectors in the league. Um, J.J. Redick also is going to get a lot more wide-open looks in the starting lineup because everybody else can be focused on them. And they finally, finally have a bench. They finally have at least capable players who come off the bench. I mean, this team is just incredible. You saw last night they played against the second-best team in the West. Joel Embiid shot something like 4-17 and was still they still won't beat the Nuggets, who are a great, who have a better record than them, I'm pretty sure. And they didn't even play that well. And that's the first game without any practice time, with no, with nothing together. They still beat a top team in the West. And teams like the like the Celtics are two and ten against the top eight in the West. The question I have for you, Jake, though, is uh, right now they're six and a half back of Milwaukee for the number one seed. Uh, do you think it's possible that Philadelphia can make that run uh, and become the number one team in the Eastern Conference? No, I think three seed would probably be the ceiling. Okay. But you still think that, you know, when it comes to playoff time, they will be able to make that run? Yeah, Milwaukee's never been, haven't won a playoff series, to be honest, so we'll be all right. All right. 
Dave, you are taking the side of the Boston Celtics, the team that's currently in fourth, tied with the 76ers uh, at six and a half games back. Uh, they were the team that you know finished second to back-to-back years, right, against LeBron uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals, and now they you know haven't really lived up to the expectations. They were the preseason favorite to win the Eastern Conference. You're still sticking by them, though. Boston fans, bet you didn't expect to see me here. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we haven't gotten a ton of Boston hate. I know, which is funny because I talk you've, a lot. Yeah, you've hated on Boston. You just haven't given, you know, no one cares. I guess, I guess. not. We'll just wait until we get uh, Eric, Eric, one of our mm-hmm. patrons who's from Boston. Can't wait. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, th- this is a Boston team where we haven't even seen them peak yet. Like, this is a super young team where putting together Kyrie Irving. And a bunch of these wings, basically mm-hmm. limitless wings, is, is their key to success. They are switchable everywhere. They are the team of the modern NBA. They're exactly what other teams are trying to combat. You know, they pretty much just shoved a giant FU down the Sixers' throat to end last season, which was wonderful because exposing Ben Simmons for the the phony that he was at the end of last Jesus. year. I know, right? I'm going there. Uh, you gotta watch it. <laughs> Taking LeBron James to Game 7, a game that they arguably should have won without their best player. I mean, this is a team that it just keeps getting better for them. They have Kyrie Irving, who amidst the rumors about him potentially leaving, potentially staying, who knows? And I don't think Kyrie knows right now either. He is still one of the best players in the league. He's still one of the best ball handlers, period. When it comes down to it, they have amazing depth. They've got great young talent. Jalen Brown's starting to hit his groove off the bench. Gordon Hayward, bit by bit, is getting better. You know how earlier in the season it was like one out of ten games Gordon Hayward would look good? Mm-hmm. Now it's about one out of five. And I think by the time we hit the playoffs, it's going to be much, much more consistent. So I expect to this I expect this team to peak at the right time. I think there's a lot of teams who have had a great regular season, great first half of the season. They're patting themselves on the back thinking, we're setting ourselves up for success. Boston's a team that's going to take the whole season to get where they need to be. But when it comes playoff time, they're going to be all in. Yeah, one thing to help your case a little bit, you know, trying to peak at the right time, and I don't have your laptop to back this up, but after their uh, three-game losing streak, um, after Monday, January 14th, they lost to the Heat, Orlando, and then Brooklyn. Uh, Since then, they've only lost two games. Uh, They were 8-2 and in their last 10. They lost to Golden State and the Lakers on a buzzer. That Lakers game was amazing, Yes, it was. Uh, And and since that date, uh, January 15th to the present date, they've been fifth in uh, in, uh, net differential. Uh, so, I mean, they've been absolutely fantastic. Marcus Smart is apparently an amazing three-point shooter. He's worked really hard to get there. Not mm-hmm. only is he one of the best defenders, but now his shot is actually consistent, which is scary as I'll well, get out. Both Marcuses, too. Marcus Smart and Marcus Morris. Morris um, has been amazing all year, though. Yeah, but, but yeah. he hasn't been that deadly of a three-point true. shooter throughout true, true, true. his career. Ricky, you are taking the side of the current number one team yep. in the Eastern Conference, the Milwaukee Bucks. Give us the pitch. No, I know uh, Jake throwing a little shade at my team, saying, oh, well, the Bucks haven't won a playoff series. But you know what the Bucks have done? With this trade deadline a little bit before and now in it, they have added playoff experience. Before the trade deadline, a little bit before they go, you know what? He wasn't doing that good this year, was worse than last year, or actually better than last year because LeBron wasn't there, and was kind of a little bit of a scapegoat in the playoffs, not as big as JR, but still a little bit of a scapegoat. We're going to add George Hill, um, who has that playoff experience, playing with LeBron, playing with that Cavs team. Oh, and by the way, team length, we're going to add a 6'9 power forward who can hit from beyond the arc that helped the Pelicans um, in their playoff run. I know it, they ran into the buzzsaw, which was the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. Um, but nine games, Nico lit it up. 
um, last year. Well, didn't he play with the Bulls the year before, too, in the playoffs? Yeah, he did. So. He played with the Bulls, yeah. too. But it's like it, Extra the April-May is like April He's got flower. experience, too. It's April showers bring Nico threes. That's what it is. Not May nice. flowers, Nico threes. Nice. And he's going to help this team out. I know right now he's battling the injury, didn't play um, their last game, but he's a guy that's going to help them from beyond the arc. This is a team that is better coached than last year. They have added playoff experience. They have arguably one of the top five, if not top ten, players in the league in the honest. You can say vote. top five. I'm going to say <laughs> then top five. We're pretty locked in. Yeah. And this is a team that, let's be honest, should have beaten Boston in that first round, but Boston got lucky in that game seven, and that catapulted them, gave them a little bit of confidence heading into their next round, and then heading into the Eastern Conference Finals. This is going to be a different Bucks team than we've seen in the past. I agree with you too. And although they haven't won a playoff series with Giannis, I mean, that in the past two years it hasn't been his fault. Twenty five point mm-hmm. three points per game, eight uh, nine point five rebounds per game, five point two assists per game, one point eight steals per game, one point two blocks per game, only two point eight turnovers per game, and shooting fifty five percent from the field, playing forty minutes. He's been nothing but spectacular in those thirteen games. Fear so. the deer, man. Fear the deer. Um, however. We are the North, and it's finally the time <laughs> for it? the Toronto is Raptors. It, it is, uh, because Old now Magasol? we want to talk about playoff experience. This team is rich with playoff experience. Kyle Lowry has struggled significantly in the playoffs, but now he is not you know, going to be looked at as the guy if one guy struggles, because you have Kawhi Leonard, who arguably in the past you know three years when he's been in the playoffs has been the best player in the playoffs outside of LeBron James, because you look at the team that was unbeatable, the Golden State Warriors, he went down after they were almost about to beat them in Game 1. And I think you know that Spurs series and that Warriors series would have been hotly contested if he did not go down. And that was the only reason that they were in that series was because of Kawhi Leonard. And Kawhi Leonard was the Finals MVP before shutting down the best player in the game, LeBron James. And you look at the Grizzlies series as well, uh, I think in the same year, the, the Golden State one, he was a monster in that game, uh, in that series, just absolutely dominating, taking over games left and right. He can do that. He can take that to the next level. And he's been resting this year. He hasn't been playing a full season, and that's going to be so beneficial when we get to the playoffs. Um, it's not really because he's hurt. It's just to make sure that he's going to be fully rested and going. Kyle Lowry is one of the best passers in the league. Um, we see the depth on this team, and we see what Nick Nurse has been able to do with this team. This team is not the same Toronto Raptors, just like the Bucks mm-hmm. aren't the same uh, Bucks team uh, from the past two years. This isn't the same Raptors team from the past three years. They're not going to be choking in the playoffs because they have a clutch player in Kawhi Leonard in the playoffs. And I know I just talked about it in the Toronto Raptors segment, but Marc Gasol is the best pickup I've seen uh, in a while. And I said it in in the, in the at least uh, the segment that we did already that at the time when we were talking about Marcus Gasol possibly getting traded, I didn't realize how much I would like the acquisition. And until it happened, I didn't know how much I was like going to like it. But this is a guy that he's been able to change his game so many different times. He's been defensive player of the year before. He's been uh, a, now a great three-point shooter. He's one of the best big men passers, probably not named Nikola Jokic. And he finally has something to play for. This is probably going to be the last time he could fully give a run to a team, and you just added him to possibly be your sixth man, and he's a guy that has been an all-star multiple times before in his, his career, all-NBA before, and he's coming off your bench possibly, and if he, you know, if Abaka's not playing well, if Siakam's not playing well, you can move around and have flexibility in that starting five, and then put you know Abaka and Siakam out on there in, in a second unit uh, if need be, and that was one of your best starting lineups throughout the season. So this is a team with so much flexibility, now so much talent uh, and, and depth 
and, and also just leadership in Kawhi Leonard and Marcus Gasol and Kyle Lowry. This is a team that is absolutely dangerous. And yes, Kawhi, uh, you know Kyrie Irving's a fantastic player, but is he enough of a leader? I know Kawhi Leonard is. Um, is is Al he? Horf- Wait, did you just say Kawhi Leonard a leader? When it comes to the playoffs. Didn't you I mean, ba- didn't you bash him last year for not being I, a leader? I That's fine. No, you I just did. Murdered him the entire offseason <laughs> about his lack of leadership ability. Here's the thing, though, is that we're talking about the playoffs. Is he going to play talking, every game? Yes, he's going to play every game. It's the playoffs. I mean, when was the last time he hasn't? When Zaza stepped under his foot? I'm just saying, like he he seems very noncommittal, very noncommittal out there. This I is Kawhi in the playoffs. We see our house in L.A. What yeah. was that? <laughs> Oh, he bought another house in L.A.? Mm-hmm. Half a million. Yeah, 13 and a half million. No, 13, 13 million. Yeah, say, yeah. Technically, it was San Diego. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I said, we all listen to Bill Simmons then. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I just think that this is a team that's rich with depth, with rich with veteran leadership, guys who have been there before. Um, and I, I think this was a, a fantastic move uh, to get Marcus on. It just makes me think that this team, with the ability of, to, you know, again, f- flex around their lineups to bring in guys like OG Ananubi off the bench, to bring in Fred Van Fleet off the bench. Uh, you know, and obviously they're starting five of uh, Siakam, Gasol, slash Abaka, uh, you know, obviously uh, good old Kawhi, mm-hmm. Kyle Lowry. Um, this team is ridiculous, and I think they're they're crazy deep. Um, now what we should talk about is probably the weaknesses. And Jake, you want to start off with Brett Brown? <laughs> no, because I don't think he's a weakness. Oh, what's up? Uh, <laughs> you would be uh, in the very, very well, small minority. Well, here, what, what's yeah. the weakness then for the Sixers? There is none. They're just the best. <laughs> the point is to talk about what you think is possibly <laughs> a weakness on this team. Oh, the possible weakness is the fact that they like to blow leads all the time because their bench is inconsistent and loses interest in games. But I think that could have been solved with these trades. I mean, at least I would say the same for Ricky's team. At least my players on my team actually want to be where they are. I mean, the Celtics, Kyrie doesn't want to be there. Raptors, Kawhi's obviously leaving, and they try to trade Kyle Lowry. At least with my team, as far as we know, Jimmy wants to be there. He's kind of the wild card. But um, like, I, like I said, there, I don't think Brad, I label Brett Brown as a weakness as everybody else does. Their weakness is having to play T.J. McConnell 25 minutes a night off the bench in the playoffs. I mean, he was a good player, though, last year for you guys in the yeah, playoffs. I mean, he, he, he was, was helping you win series. Brett Brown wasn't, so that's why I think he was a weakness, unless you think, think he's changed I think drastically. The, I think there's an over-exaggeration blaming a Brett Brown when multiple times during the game there was late turnovers by Ben Simmons that literally cost the game. And one time, they off the inbound, they just nobody switched on to Al Horford off the screen. He got a wide-open layup Correct. Uh, with like 10 seconds left. And the other time, Ben Simmons had an inbound when they were down one and just threw to the other team. I mean, I don't understand how that's Brett Brown's fault. I think that, you know, late game, I think you have to be at least telling your players and, and, and making them aware of situations. I don't know if he, he did that exactly I mean, with Ben Simmons. I, I understand that, but I, the whole thing with it last year was who the hell is going to take the last shot? I understand. And last year when Joel Embiid took the last shot, he got fouled and he didn't call it, and the NBA even said he got fouled. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I don't really see the blame when he didn't have as talented roster as he does now. He had, who's going to take the last shot last year? You're going to give it to Dario, Robert Covington. Ben Simmons can't shoot. I say, Embiid, obviously you can give it to him, and they did, but and he got fouled, and they didn't call it. So I mean, that whole season last year, that whole series last year, I would not play play him on Brett Brown. It kind of sounds like you're talking like Ben Simmons is the biggest weakness for the 76ers. <laughs> uh, he's not the biggest weakness. Um, I mean, actually, you probably could say that. Are you but Are you worried about I'm, his you know playoff production? No, did you see him pull up for three last night? Almost make it. Almost <laughs> hit back on. Almost your... make it. Yeah. Almost make it. I mean, no, I I think. Um, Ben Simmons is obviously a liability when he's off ball, but 
this year I've seen more of a, more of a consistent playmaking than I did last year. He's way more aggressive this year going towards the basket. Last year he would kind of defer a lot in late game situations or even in like in the, when there was like a big moment in the middle of the game. This year he kind of seems more willing to go after it. And maybe it's like his girlfriend sitting in the crowd and he just wants to impress her or something. I don't know what it is. But he actually like seems like he wants the ball now and he actually wants to make a play. And with the acquisition of Tobias Harris and everything like that, you can't help you can't help off him whenever he drives. I mean, they used to like I said when they played the Raptors this year, they literally put Kyle Lowry on Wilson Chandler, and when Wilson Chandler was standing in the corner because that's all he did, he, they would just help off. Um, they would help off him with Kyle Lowry whenever Ben Simmons drove and doubled him. You can't do that anymore with this team. Everybody around us around Ben Simmons can shoot. You literally cannot help defense. You cannot rotate defense over to him, or else there's going to be a wide open three. Dave, what are the biggest weaknesses for the Celtics? Celtics' biggest weakness, I think, it still comes down to their lack of uh, aggressive rebounding. It's one of the things that has hurt them for the last couple of years. Not having someone who can absolutely dominate the glass leads to you know more second chances for other teams, especially you know a team like the 76ers where they have a great center. Uh, and now I look at the Raptors with Marcus All obviously adding uh, uh, just one of the best centers in the game. Mm-hmm. It's it's definitely concerning that they're not able to do that. But at the same time, you get contributions from everyone. You know, I love watching Jalen Brown absolutely high point balls on rebounds. It's exciting. He's flying in from the outside wing and at going aggressively for them. Horford again, he's not amazing at rebounding, but he's good at everything, and he's just kind of that consistent leader. But I would say that that is, that is the biggest flaw in their game right now is their lack of rebounding, which means more opportunities for other teams. Outside of that, it's still, you know, you got to asterisk Gordon Hayward. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's getting paid a whole lot of money for not a whole lot of production. So until we see it consistently, that's their number two problem. However, the only thing I will say with Gordon Hayward is, you know, when you come to the actual playoffs, it doesn't matter how much you're making. It's just, can you make plays in the it's right true. situations? Because, I mean, salary cap doesn't matter once you get to, you know, those no. games. Uh, Ricky, biggest weakness for the Milwaukee Bucks. You've it's, been clicking away. It's easy. Everyone except for Giannis and Chris Med. Like, every, <laughs> like... Because the really? thing, so, like, so you make the addition, and you're selling us in the addition of basically, you know, Nikola Mirotic, but you're like, oh, basically, he's a big it's everyone besides those two has to step up. Because like I look at last year's playoff series, and I'm just going to take you through a little bit of story time with uh, with Grandpa Widmer here. Um, game one against the Celtics, Celtics won. Giannis had 35. Chris Mid had 31. Tony Snell played 33 minutes. You want to know how many points he had? Two. Two. He was Tony he Snell. Was got it. Garbage. His name is Tony no, Snell. No, no, no. I know, but I'm just saying. Like, if you're you coming on Tony Snell in the playoffs, you've done something. But wrong. you can look at other things, like Eric Bledsoe, 33 minutes, nine points. Henson, 37 in that game, gone, seven points. I know they're gone, but like, still, the players that are there need to step up. Game two, same thing. Giannis has his 30. Chris Mann had 25. Yes, some more people stepped up, but not enough. And that's what needs to be the center of attention. Is Giannis and Chris Mid can't do this by themselves. They're going to need, if you're getting quality minutes, you need to be hitting on your shots. Because if Nico goes cold, mm-hmm. if Eric Bledsoe isn't hitting on all cylinders, then this team is weak. The biggest thing that's different, though, from last year to this year, I think they got a better coach this year, which is going to well, put them in better situations. But still, everyone besides Giannis and Chris Mid has to step up for the occasion in the playoffs. A lot of liabilities. Well, that's what I was going to bring up was the fact that I think that they realized that last year in the playoffs, and that's why they brought in Budenholzer, Mm -hmm. was to fix that offensively. And I think so far we have seen that. 
uh, that they've been able to move the ball around. They've been able to get open shots for the guys that might not be able to hit more tightly contested shots. And we've obviously you know seen that pay off mm-hmm. uh, so far with you know how great this Milwaukee team and their offense has been flowing. So that that you still don't think that's been taken away though. I mean, it's it could be with the box. It's the two sided coin. It's either going to be their greatest addition, their greatest positive, or it's going to be their greatest negative. It just depends on which way it goes. Good, it's great. Bad, it's going to be what we blame. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest weakness, at least for the Raptors, um, is going to be, one, the inexperience of Nick Nurse in the playoffs. He hasn't been a head coach mm-hmm. in this situation. Yes, he's been on the bench with Dwayne Casey for the past couple of years um, in the playoffs, but how will he be able to manage uh, the games inside of playoffs, especially going up against Brad Stevens, who's been phenomenal in the past you know, couple of years, uh, Budenholzer, who has uh, playoff experience as well, um, going up against Brett Brown, even, who has playoff experience uh, from last year. Uh, that's going to be one weakness, and then obviously it's going to always come back to Kyle Lowry. I mean, he was a part of the Trash Bros with DeMar DeRozan, it's going to be a huge question. If he's able to hit his shots, he's able to you know go thirty eight percent from three, and he's not able to, you know he's not turning the ball over in clutch minutes, and he's letting other guys miss shots. I think that would be huge. Um, but as long as he's able to be efficient, that's going to be massive uh, for Toronto. But if he's not able to be efficient, that's going to take him out of you know games, and that's going to take them out of you know they're playing four on five basketball offensively because that's what they were doing last year when you know he was completely off and just cold. Um, he won't have as much usage as he did last year, which is going to be big. But can he also stay healthy? Will be a big problem because he hasn't been, uh, you know, a pinnacle of health recently with his back problem. So uh, a big thing with them is going to be Kyle Lowry's health and his productivity. And another thing, you know, we bring up T.J. McConnell as a liability during playoffs potentially with mm-hmm. the backup point guard ball handler responsibilities. I would say Fred VanVleet, very same boat. Yeah, absolutely very same boat. I think he's a little bit more talented uh, than T.J. is. I think he's a little bit more well-rounded of a basketball player. He doesn't have the grit and grind and the effort uh, that that T.J. McConnell does. Um, But I do think that Fred has proven himself, especially last year, to be a better offensive uh, you know, producer. Um, he doesn't turn the ball over a ton, which I, which I do appreciate. Um, and, and, he, and he does play you know, fairly hard. So I think that he's a guy that, again, if he's not turning the ball over and he's hitting his shots, he can be fine. Um, where T.J. is just not as skilled as Fred Van Fleet is. Um, but he, he will always put that effort in. He's a guy that always gets his teammates rallied up in, in T.J. McConnell. So I, would, I, I think that the depth is still there for Toronto, I'm not too worried about the depth, especially, you know, uh, Fred Van Fleet. You look at the playoffs last year, um, I don't think he was massively great, but n- n- no one on that team was. Uh, Say, Jake, do you have an opinion, Fred Van Fleet versus the GOAT? I mean, I'm taking the GOAT. It's, it's just simple. I mean, I don't know. I, Fred Van Fleet's a good player. I think they're both liabilities, obviously, defensively. But Fred Van Fleet definitely has more of an ability to stretch the floor than P.J. McConnell, so... Um, I think he's more reliable come playoff time. Yeah, I mean, last year he shot 28% from three and 33% from the field, and you know, 2.2 assists yeah, to pretty much uh, a turnover a game. If he's able to spread that out to what he's doing right now in the season, he's able to tra- you know take that over um, in- into the postseason. I think that would be huge. And having you know now 13 games under his belt, going to be probably most likely 20 uh, if they go to a seven game series somehow get bounced in the first round. Uh, that's going to be something that I think we're, we're going to see the effects of. Um, final question will be, Jake, to you, we'll start off. Who is the biggest or at least the toughest matchup out of these other three teams for the Philadelphia 76ers? Do you think it's going to be the Celtics? Do you think it's going to be the Raptors? Or do you think it's going to be the Bucks? I think the Raptors, I don't think it's the Celtics. The Celtics are to throw out. I don't think they're even close. <laughs> also, Kyrie. You want to fight me, bro? Right. <laughs> Kyrie just got diagnosed with a right knee strain, just saying. So he's out now. When isn't he? Um, yeah, true. And so uh, I think Milwaukee, uh, Kawhi has, is obviously, I 
raved about him when we talked about top 10 players during the year. I called him the third best player in the league. I still believe he is. And I think he is just, he has the ability to almost quietly take over a series defensively and then offensively, you know, he's going to give you 25 a night. If Kyle Lowry can just give them some sort of consistency offensively, then they're fine. I just, he cannot go back and revert to how he was with DeMar DeRozan. And hopefully that was just because how bad DeMar DeRozan was playing. He also played bad. Um, Milwaukee's going to have to prove it to me. They're going to have to win a playoff series first. And then maybe I'll believe. But if you can shut down Giannis, Chris Milton played great in that Boston series. But you're gonna, he's going to have to play really consistent in big minutes. And I'm I'm not quite confident he can do that. And I'm way more confident in Marcus Gasol and Kawhi Leonard being able to carry the Raptors through a series. Dave, who's the biggest matchup problem for the Boston Celtics? It is also the Raptors. The Raptors are good, and it's annoying because they're good in places that hurt the Celtics. Pascal Siakam's epic growth this year has been unparalleled. I mean, it's it's something no one expected that mm-hmm. he would take that next, not not step, leap in the right direction. He is scary in transition. He is scary off the boards, and he can stretch the floor enough to make you actually have to guard him. Uh, so the combo of Serge, Pascal, and now Marc Gasol, does concern me as a Celtics uh, stan. Stan, yeah, yeah, you're a huge Celtics stan. Um, yeah, Siakam's been ridiculous. Nothing you'd expect from a guy out of New yeah. Mexico State. I, and it's funny because I, I had it pegged as OG was going to take that next step, but mm-hmm. really he's kind of stayed back. even or even regressed a little bit. Now shot, yeah, for sure. Uh, Ricky, you going to go three for three? No, for me it's a seventy six. Son of a bitch! I feel like, and here's the thing: I feel like the thing with the box. And if I would have looked at this. At the beginning, I would have been like, Ugh, I would have second-guessed it. If the playoffs were to start today, yeah. you want to know who would have the best road out of all four of our teams? Your team, Sean. The easiest? The Raptors. Mean? Yeah, the easiest. Because, like, I look at it where the 76ers and Celtics would have to play each other. That's going to be a hard series. We know how that goes. Then when the Bucks do beat the Heat, because there's no way that the Heat would beat the Bucks. oh, the Bucks then have to play either the Celtics or the 76ers, where the Raptors... They'll play the Hornets, what they should beat. And then, oh, I get either the Pacers without Vic or the Brooklyn Nets who just lost to the Bulls. Like, we add out a Porter, and assumingly we can beat the Brooklyn Nets. So I would assume the Raptors could. They're the team that I look at right now. If it stays like it is, and of course, three through five could change because the Pacers, Celtics, and 76ers are so close. Mm. The Raptors could end with a very easy road on paper. Yeah. I think the biggest matchup problem for the Raptors is going to end up being the Indiana Pacers. Um, kidding. I thought someone was going to laugh. Uh, no, just dad. Yeah, no, that was horrible. <laughs> uh, I think it's probably going to end up being, I mean, Milwaukee has given them tough series in the past before, um, but Kawhi Leonard on Giannis, I think that's going to be a favorable matchup. Uh, well, not favorable, but probably one of the most favorable matchups you can get on Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's still going to put up great numbers. I would have loved if you said the toughest matchup would have been themselves. Oh, I was thinking about saying that. I just didn't want to be a huge asshole. Because uh, it, it, it honestly could be. If Siakam's not playing great, that's going to hurt himself. Mm-hmm. If Kawhi Le- or Kyle Lowry's not playing great, that's going to hurt himself. If Marcus Gasol's playing like he did in December, that's going to hurt them. Mm-hmm. If Serge Ibaka's going to regress to any Serge Ibaka that's not this year, that's going to hurt them. Uh, if OG Anunoby's not going to come off the bench. Uh, yeah, well, that's what I said. If he's oh, okay. not playing it dis- like he was, if he's playing like he was in December, it's mm-hmm. not going to work out. Yeah. If OG Anunoby continues to be, you know, bad, uh, then you know it's it's not going to work out. If Fred Van Fleet turns to trash again, it's not going to work out. Um, th- that's a big problem. Buttonholzer is not, or not uh, Nick Nurse does, you know, could just totally shit the bed like Brett Brown did last year. Uh, that's my opinion, Jake. Sorry. Um, I think the team that would give him the most trouble though would probably be Boston. 
uh, just because of their defensive, uh, you know, versatility. Because you know Siakam's a weird matchup, but also Marcus Morris proved last year that he can defend LeBron James. Uh, you look at Al Horford, Al Horford on Marcus Saul. I think it's veteran versus veteran. I think it's going to be a, a very interesting matchup. Um, both on both sides, I think both of them can really kind of cancel each other out, both defensively. Um, and I look at you know Kawhi Leonard. If Jason Tatum's going to play like he did last year, he can possibly slow down Kawhi Leonard. And then you have Kyrie Irving on Kyle Lowry. Kyrie Irving, if healthy, is going to win that matchup every single time. And if Gordon Hayward's playing like he can off the bench, well, there kind of goes the depth for Toronto because they have the best player coming off the bench. And Jalen Brown. And Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart. So I heard I think he likes that, switching wings. Yeah, so that that's the biggest thing that, that I think if you're able to slow down uh, Kawhi and you're able to slow down Siakam, then this team is beatable. And that's the only team that I could probably see giving them trouble. The Bucks are interesting just because of the fact of, you know, obviously Giannis, uh, they have Chris Mid, and obviously even the 76ers too because they have Tobias, um, who's not a great defender but still is lengthy enough um, to possibly slow down Siakam. But Jimmy Butler, Ben Simmons, I mean, those guys are huge. And I think uh, Simmons can definitely guard uh, Siakam. And Jimmy Butler is one hell of a you know player. I mean, he, he's a guy that is always going to give him you know, 100%. Um, on the defensive side, and he's going to try to prove that he's better than Kawhi Leonard. Um, that's the guy, kind of guy that Jimmy has, the mentality that Jimmy has. Um, but I think the 76ers kind of get canceled out because the team that I think has the most opportunity to shut down or slow down Joel Embiid is the Toronto Raptors with the addition of Marcus All. I think he's the best matchup uh, against Joel Embiid that any team has uh, in the Eastern Conference. So I think that's kind of the reason why I'm a little less afraid of the 76ers. Also, again, I'm not huge on Brett Brown and We've seen before if Kawhi Leonard is possibly able to slow down uh, Ben Simmons on the offensive side or, you know, Pascal Siakam, uh, that will obviously slow this team down a ton because you don't have a secondary ball handler. If you're shutting down their first ball handler, that ball's not going to move. Um, and then I think you look at uh, Milwaukee. I mean, Toronto has proven that they've beaten them before. And if you're you know letting Giannis beat you, you just got to sh- shut down everybody else. And I'm much af- more afraid of, uh, you know, Giannis just putting up – or I'm not that afraid of Giannis putting up 40 and shutting down everybody else. Um, so – I would say that it's probably going to end up being Boston because this is a team that you know Toronto hasn't beaten in the playoffs in in the past uh, you know couple of years. So uh, that's probably going to be the team that I fear the most. Uh, Jake, final thoughts on best team in the East? In trusting the process all the way here. I'm going to keep trusting it and I'm going to get us <laughs> to the NBA Finals. About it. <laughs> yeah, I think you're. It's going to be a tough road. You've got great starters, and if everybody plays 44 minutes, you might stand a chance. But beyond that. I don't know if you've done enough to fix your problems. I'm just saying, I got you a young team. Anything, so. <laughs> uh, we didn't need to. We've got a yeah. better head coach. We've got better young talent. We've got better wing depth. And you have more injury history. More injury history. So got, I'm just saying. Well, I, I think that it's pretty obvious that Boston's going to go back right back to the Eastern Conference Finals. And without a LeBron James there, they got the clear road. Ricky, final thoughts on Milwaukee. Uh, I really hope that the Pacers fall to either four or five and then get a shocker in the you really, first round. Out of I all have of backtracked us, a little bit. Yeah, you little have little sold bit. Milwaukee yeah. the worst. Um, can I can I do your job for you real quick? Then? I mean, yeah. Well, well, who do you think right now after hearing? Well, who did the best job of persuading you? Who did the best? Yeah, job who do you think the best team in these? Well, the only thing for me is like. Everything on paper looks good for the Bucks. We've got home. We're going to have home field. I'm going to say we because I'm defending we them right now. Chicago so North. I'm going to come out with a we. Um, oh, God, that really pisses me off. Because you're not Chicago. You're Milwaukee. But well, that's, that's the point. That's why it's Chicago North. Um, yep. 
It's, a, it's more of a disrespect to Milwaukee than it is Chicago. Everything with the boxes, home court advantage, better court, uh, better coach than last year, the talent around Giannis and Chris Mid are better. It's just, for me, I am a little nervous about Boston and 76ers, like Boston and Philly in that second round. Not saying that the Bucks are for sure not going to win it, but if I'm choosing, I'd rather have the Pacers fall, maybe get an upset, see them in the second round instead of having to go against either one of those Bostons or those 76ers. But if you want to beat the best, you got to get through who the people think are the best, and that's what the Bucks will do. I will say um, that I picked Indiana to be in the Eastern Conference Finals preseason. Mm-hmm. So as a Toronto Raptors stand for the second, with Vic, um, I was going to just make a joke. Yeah. Thanks, Ricky. Um, really appreciate you helping out the podcast. I was just going to say, I hope oh. the Indiana Pacers also fall so we don't see them in the second oh, round. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, the Raptors are the best team. They have, the, I think, probably the second best player in the Easter Conference. They have, I think, probably the best center. Uh, well, second best center, because I'm not going to say over Joel and be I kind of forget about him yeah. uh, every now and then. Uh, second best center oh, in, in Marcus All, uh, at least out of these teams. Uh, I think he's better than Al Horford. And then I think, you know, Kyle Lowry is a guy that's been there before. And I think they have probably this, you know, around the most amount of depth. And they don't have that injury history uh, that Boston has. So I think that, you know, the coaching edge goes to Boston, but I think the depth is probably equal. And I think, you know, we've seen that, you know, Kawhi Leonard has been able to come up in the playoffs big. And, you know, I they think they have a very uh, pumped up Marcus who's ready to win and I think that this is a team that you know is trying to redeem themselves and they're making one final push to make sure Kawhi Leonard can stay and they can get to the NBA playoffs and I think uh, NBA finals I think now is the time for Toronto Uh, but let us know down in the comments what you think the best team in the Eastern Conference is do you agree with Jake that it's the 76ers do you agree with Dave that it's the Boston Celtics do you agree with Ricky that it's the Milwaukee Bucks Ricky doesn't even agree with himself or do you agree with me that it's the Toronto Raptors Uh, Jake final thoughts after the uh, double segment uh, thanks for having me on again, and I, I really can't wait till next month. It's should be, we, uh, interesting. Should we ruin the surprise, or nope. should, should we keep it a surprise? Ruin, keep it a surprise. It's a surprise. All right. Keep well, surprise. I, I also cannot wait. Uh, we're going to have Joel Allen beat on the podcast uh, with Jake. Uh, so let us know uh, your thoughts down in the comments. Get my pants. And Jake, thank you for the support as always. Well, let's move now for a little bit of a break uh, in the trade deadline. We'll talk about the uh, Celtics landing AD possibly next uh, in the offseason. We'll talk about the Kings making the playoffs, uh, Clippers, Fultz, Otto Porter. That's all coming up. But we'll take a break for Wet Boys. It's our weekly segment where we talk about the dampest of dudes, <laughs> the soggiest of shooters, the moistest of men. These are our Wet Boys, the guys who absolutely popped off in the past week. The results have come in. We had one single vote saying no to James Harden being a Wet Boy. One person, three comments. Yeah, I think the other one was uh, the. Was no, that no, the I'm one? saying the the, the guy who person. wrote in had like three, three and then there was someone else that commented something totally different. But wasn't it the guy who said last time I was this early, I was in my dad's nuts? That was a different guy. Okay, yeah. that was the different, different video one. or same? No, same video. Different okay, yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what I was saying. Yeah, the yeah. only other it was yeah. no, and then I was so early, and then I made a blue uh, Ballin state reference. Yeah. Uh, so let's jump <laughs> real into real disappointed in our fans. There, guys had had fantastic weeks. Dave, we'll start off with you. The redemption story. James Harden. Screw you, he deserved it last week. He deserved it this week. 38-8-5, shooting 52% from the field, and a easy-going 46% from three. Okay, but last week he was he, he had less points 
right? By one. Less points. By one. On worse efficiency. 12 differential in the field goal percentage. Uh, he had a shooting yeah. 40%. And then a whole 20% differential on the three-point percentage. The man got his so points. So if you're averaging and he 38 on 52 and 46, yeah, you're going to be a goddamn wet boy because that's impressive as hell. But, I think but, compared but to 37 his, and, and less great ratios, whatever. Uh, would Kobe be a wet boy for 60 points on 50 shots? Yeah. Because it was Kobe's going out party. Okay, but take away from the going out party, and if Kobe put up 60 he and 50 shots. He had the most shots, Kobe game ever. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. You can't you can't tarnish Kobe. He wasn't a wet boy, though, because we weren't giving those out. Uh, so James Harden back in the uh, the good graces. I think he's now at a record eight. Um, mm-hmm. You're up in that right now, Ricky? Yeah, he did it. Is it at eight? Yep. Okay. Uh, so he's now at eight, and next guy, because I think Giannis just got, or well, mm-hmm. I guess a spoiler, Giannis, but it's in the thumbnail. He's at two. He's at two. Mm-hmm. So what's the who's what's the third? So place? it's uh, James Harden at one, tied for two, tied at two with three is AD, Derrick Rose, Steph Curry, and Luka Doncic, and then at three it's LeBron, KD, Kawhi, Clay, Blake Griffin, Paul George, and now Giannis. All right, there you go, and a five differential in, in what boys? Absolutely insane. <laughs> and James Harden's most likely get another one because he has twenty five at the half at right me, now. Bro. Um, Ricky, we'll go back to you. Who is your wet boy this week? So I had a little uh, controversy here. I had come out with a wet boy. I said, you know what? It's got to be Bobby P. Like, Bobby P's the wet boy. He had 30 points or 33 with the Bulls, 30 points in his first game as a Wizard. And then I thought to myself, and I'm going to be brash here, Dave, so be, be careful. Yeah. Fuck Bobby P. He ain't a bull. Plus, he's petty as shit, so I ain't giving him a wet boy. Got to give it to my boy, Lowry Marketing. Not just two 30-point games, had three 30-point games. First time he's ever done that in his career. Bulls beat the six seed. Come at me, Brooklyn. We we going for a top five pick. You going for the playoffs, and we beat you. You should be scared, and you should be feeling pathetic because you lost to the Bulls after we get Otto Porter. No, Lowry let him do whatever he wants. All right. Why are you throwing it? You were what? saying I'm throwing you... a little shade. Throwing a little shade at Brooklyn, no but really cares. the shade Brooklyn at Bro- doesn't give a shit But about really you. the shade at Bobby P was gonna gonna give him a wet boy. But you don't he feel petty. bad for him he that he petty. just got traded from a place that he was very like tied no, to. No, no, I'm not saying he that. I'm Chicago. just saying he's very. He's, the comments are very petty. So I'm gonna go ahead and give it to Markinen for his performance because he deserves it. I mean, you're siding with Pat Garpax right now. I'm siding with and Lowry Markkinen. No, you're siding with Garpax. I am Jim siding Boylan. with Lowry Markkinen. Well, That's he's he's petty that G- Garpax traded him, so I'm just saying that you're you're on the side of evil. Um, we're going <laughs> we're going to my side. Uh, this guy's not evil. This guy is a, a huge superstar. Uh, after the NBA draft, I could not get it to him. The NBA All Star draft, uh, and especially after this week, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, 35 points per game, 12 rebounds per game, five assists on 66 percent shooting for the field, and 36 percent from three on like two a game. That is awesome. So shout out Giannis and the line of uh, isn't that tampering when he takes uh, and, and, uh, LeBron takes Anthony Davis. Uh, Giannis was an absolute star, uh, and I'm so glad that he was the captain well, of the uh, All-Star well, not team. Just that. He took KD. He took Kyrie. He took all the free. It was the LeBron yeah. recruiting game. And I think that uh, LeBron clearly has a better team, but Giannis was funnier. Uh, so Giannis was yeah. he's, he's so lovable. Um, and we were talking about mm-hmm. this last year. Is he a star? He is a goddamn star. Uh, but it's now the question of, like, is Milwaukee going to be able to contain his stardom? Because uh, mm-hmm. that was the one question we had last time. Obviously, the last huge star they had was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to that mm-hmm. level. Um, and he he wanted to move away. God. So We asked that question when we were still sitting the hard G. Yeah. G, Giannis. <laughs> uh, so much hate. We're so mature now. And uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see if Giannis stays. I, I think he most likely will. But, uh, 
Giannis is, is a star, and it's fantastic to see that Milwaukee does have a star uh, in such a yeah. small market. So shout-out to Giannis, shout-out to Milwaukee, and shout-out to the NBA for putting out the uh, NBA All-Star Draft. I probably still won't watch the game, but that was some fun <laughs> shit. Uh, anyways, uh, that's going to do us. Let us know your what boys down in the comments below. James Harden back in the good graces. Giannis getting his second, shockingly, uh, very low for him. And uh, good old uh, marketing. Uh, Three-point, 30-point game, or performances. And uh, right now he's got like 18 uh, heading into the fourth. So we'll see if we can put up 12 to make it four straight. Uh, but let us know your what boys down in the comments below. But let's move into the next topic, and that is the Sacramento Kings. Kings making moves. They get Alec Burks and a second-round pick along with Harrison Barnes. They give up Justin Jackson. Zach Randolph, and they gave up Amon Shumpert as well. Those were the big pieces that moved. I think they also gave up a second, too, but they ended up getting that back with the Alex Burks trade. So that is the moves that the Kings have made in this trade deadline. So post-trade deadline, they are 29-26, and 26, 10 and a half games back of first place, the Golden State Warriors and the Western Conference. They are one game back of the Clippers in the eighth spot. We are talking about the Kings for the first time in the season, and I have to make some apologies before we get into the trade reactions and the, obviously the title, yep. uh, can they make it into the playoffs. Um, this has been a team that I think we've been given love uh, ever since the De'Aaron Fox pick. Um, we trashed them so much yeah. since the start of the podcast, then to the uh, DeMarcus Cousins trade, and we were giving crap to Vladi Divac and Vivek Ranadive, uh, and until that De'Aaron Fox, uh, you know, uh, acquisition at the uh, draft, and then obviously the signing of Dave Yeager. Uh, this not just De'Aaron Fox. You gotta give credit to Harry Giles as well. Yeah. I I was like, hasn't been as great. Hey, uh, it, obviously not as great, but it, expectations accordingly. I think it came down as well uh, when they took Marvin Bagley over Luka Doncic. But yep. all in all, yep. I think I do have to apologize because I did not think the Kings would be in this position. I thought the the Lakers would be better than they are right now. Uh, and the Lakers have a worse record with the best player in the the the, the league. Uh, although LeBron has been injured, uh, I just it's have only to say, by a game, still better. Uh, I still have to say uh, <laughs> that uh, the Kings deserve a ton of credit. Uh, shout out to Sacramento and their fans. Uh, they've gone gone through a lot. I used to be a Kings fan when I was little. Uh, back in the uh, time they got screwed by the refs uh, in in the the Western Conference Finals. Uh, what Wooden Award winner? Put some respect on that. I name. am doing yeah. that right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, just shout out to Sacramento King and and the Kings and what <laughs> Vivek Ranadive and Vladi Divac and Dave Yeager has done to this team. Uh, they've been one of the better teams to watch this year. And Dave, they're pushing in on a playoff spot. Like I said, one game back of the. A spot in the Western Conference Finals or in the Western Conference playoffs. Uh, do you think it's possible that they can make the playoffs this Hell year? Hell yeah! And that's that's a, that's an emphatic yes. Like this is this is a team that uh, I know on the side. Sean and I have talked about a lot, and it, it's a shame that we haven't had a great topic to land on the show. So mm-hmm. a lot of excitement around this. I absolutely love this team. Darren Fox has been a huge growth from year one to year two. Uh, his shot has looked good, and that's one of the most concerning Insane. things. Was like. Well, his motion's good, but it's just not adding up to now, like, oh, he's hitting that shit and it looks legitimate. Uh, <laughs> they've got a fantastic six-man in bogey. He comes in off the bench. He makes sure things keep running. They're able to use him in those extended lineups towards the end of games. Belly uh, has been fantastic for them. He is, uh, obviously, he's cooled off from the start of the year when he was shooting, like, 50% from three, but... Yeah, no, they they have a great, fun, young core. And it, I swear to God, it's them and the Nets are just the most fun to watch in the league right now. So love the team. They can absolutely make a run for the playoffs. Harrison Barnes, an NBA champion, someone who's been there, done that. Honestly, not on his shoulders, but he was a contributing piece to it. I think he's a great add to this team. And the big thing for me is 
that they can insert him without messing up the sync of the team. They have a great mm-hmm. flow, really good pace, and they're getting really good play out of their bigs right now. So I hope that that ball movement doesn't hold up because what we've seen out of him in Dallas was he was a very much ISO player. But I think that I, I would like to think that's because of the guys around him and the situation he was put in. So hopefully he's on a team now with a bunch of young talent. He can go ahead and go back to just being, you know, a three and D guy. And if he needs to, he can put the ball on the court. Well, and the thing, too, with Barnes, I think they paid him that much money, expecting him to be more than what he was. Right. Um, and then the fact that he wasn't, I think that's been the disappointment. But Ricky, I mean, he could possibly bounce back Harrison Barnes's. But even outside the Harrison Barnes thing, I mean, the twenty mm-hmm. or the 50-something games they played without him, this team has been fantastic. Um, I think we got to give him a ton of credit for that. But do you think this is enough to hold up? Because, yes, they've had some great you know runs this year. They have a ton of youth coming up. Uh, we're getting into the second half, but we've seen young teams collapse. Do you think this is possible? And do you think maybe getting a veteran like Harrison Barnes will help them keep this pace? I don't really think, A, I don't think they're going to collapse. B, I do not think that it's more of like a, oh, Harrison Barnes come in. He's going to be a veteran leader. I kind of f- see this more as like a island of misfit toys kind of a thing where you look at most of the players that they have have been guys to where it's like, for example, Buddy Heald's a big one where it's like, hey, I was on a different team and I probably wasn't respected like I should have been. Mm -hmm. I come over to Sacramento, kind of flourishes. And that's what I'm maybe expecting from a Harrison Barnes where it's like, hey, change of scenery. There's no real big expectations on you. This team is already cooking. They're moving. They got a good feel to them. They go ahead, and one of the moves that I don't know if you mentioned was they move one of their big men as well. Um, yes, they get Caleb Swanigan, but they move Scal Abissier um, yeah, away from the shit. Kings he as well. He did not get his own spotlight segment. And, I mean, no, he did not. But, I mean, they move him. Amon Shumpert's no longer here. Yeah. Like, Harrison Barnes, Harrison Barnes is going to be change of scenery, no pressure. This team is kind of running free where it's like, yeah, we're a playoff team. I feel like he's going to have a good time on this team. And because of that, he's going to be a little bit more loose and we could see a different, a better Harrison Barnes with the Kings. I think a huge thing about Harrison Barnes, too, is just him getting in, in his head ever since that, mm-hmm. that finals uh, where he couldn't we're hit any The Brick Lane contest? Yeah. So I think that, that's been something, too. I don't know if he's going to be able to get out of his head because – you know, maybe he even gets to the part where you're overthinking uh, things, and you're, you're you're like, well, this is going to be a fun, loose team, and I gotta, you know, just I gotta come in, and I'm still making a ton of money. I'm the guy who's making the most money on this team. I gotta produce. Um, you know, he might be able to still get in his head, but I think one thing that is going to help him is that this pace for the, the the Kings is massive. They are a team that loves to run. Um, he is an athletic guy. He can attack uh, in in open space, and I think also that running ability, and if he's able to get to his spots, uh, that's going to lead to spot-up threes. And I think that's going to be something that can help him a little bit because when we did see him at his best, it was in Golden State. And, I mean, we talk about Golden State all the time. Their pace was massive, especially Mm -hmm. early uh, in that start of the dynasty. It was just run up the floor, get open, and we'll hit you for a three. And and that's something that maybe going back to that environment, he's still a young player, still has that ability to get up and down the floor. Um, That might be able to put him back into his own element. Um, I've been loving what the Kings have been doing. However, I will say that um, I think it's going to be very difficult for them to make the playoffs, just looking at the way the standings are shaping out. Yes, they are only a game back of the Clippers right now, and I think that they are going to be able to jump the Clippers. Uh, when we look at the end of these standings yeah. at the end of the year, the Clippers go, go, are going to be below uh, the Sacramento Kings. That's for say. sure. 
uh, but it's really the team that's behind them uh, in the Lakers that's the biggest question mark because, yes, they've been playing better than the uh, Los Angeles Lakers have been, but LeBron James hasn't been on the floor uh, for the whole season. And I think the biggest thing uh, with this is you look at what the Lakers were when LeBron was fully healthy, and yeah. the Lakers at their best and at their healthiest is better at the Kings' best and at their healthiest. Um, and I think that's going to end up deciding it is that LeBron is machine. Uh, the fact that he had a groin strain is shocking. Uh, that's his first injury in forever, and it's shocking that it happened after him playing like three straight years of 82-plus games. And forever's um, not a parable there. It's the truth. He's never been hurt for, for any extended period of time. Forever. I think the only, he had a, like, a couple stints in Miami who he played like 62 games. Well, but that's the, the most. The cramps uh, are the last thing I remember mm-hmm. immobilizing LeBron. Yeah, so and I don't think he's going to be immobilized again. And I, this is a team that, again, still has LeBron, so they have mm-hmm. the ability to win any game uh, with him in that. So I think that that's going to be the biggest test that they have. And then it's really, can like the Spurs fall down? Can the Jazz fall down? Can the Rockets fall down? Can the Blazers fall down? I think the Blazers are pretty locked out. I think the Thunder are locked out. I definitely think the Nuggets are locked out. With James Harden continuing to put up 30 every single night, I think they're locked out at 5. Utah has been 20-12. and 12. Uh, for a very long time now, in their past uh, 32 games, they have been well above 500. Uh, I think the Jazz are kind of figuring things out right now. Seven and three in the last ten on a two-game win streak, and they have a plus uh, point differential of 3.4, where the uh, Kings uh, have the you know third worst point differential at a negative uh, one and a half. Uh, so I think that you know it's going to end up coming down to can they jump the Lakers and stay ahead of the Lakers? And I don't know if they really can. Well, one team you didn't mention. I mean, the team that was down what. 21 points at half to the Celtics in the Garden. The second straight L.A. team to go into the Garden and get the win. I mean, the Clippers, if they keep uh, shocking some people right now, they actually, with this win, knock the Kings out of the playoffs. Like, the Kings were in the playoffs. Now they're at the eighth seed. They're another team. The Clippers. Clippers are already the eighth seed. Clippers are already the eighth seed. Oh, I refreshed my page and changed it. No, I refreshed my page. I started at the top of the thing saying that the— the yeah. Clippers are but the We've literally written off the Clippers, are, They so are listening team to this segment? That could, like, they beat Boston tonight. They're a team that could shock and even, like, if it's not I, the Lakers, could be the Clippers. But I think the Kings will be no. fine, and it'll be between them and the Lakers. I, I feel like this was just one more time Jerry West giving the Celtics <laughs> the finger. He's like, guess what? I uh, moved some pieces around. I made your road in the East harder yeah. by giving Toby and Bobby up. Mm-hmm. And guess what? You're not going to get our pick this year because I'm going to lose a bunch of games and mm-hmm. get our pick back. But before but I do that, the I want to pick is going to be worse. <laughs> the Kings pick's also worse. And before I do that, I'm going to beat you one more time. Yeah. Like, I just, I'll praise the Jerry Watt. After being down by 21, we win Jesus. by nine. If you had to power <laughs> I'm sorry. Dave, uh, let's say the Jazz, the Spurs, the Clippers, the Kings, and the Lakers. That's you a lot put, of teams. But it's five teams. <laughs> yeah, so I know. Jazz, I have a computer. Thank you, Ricky. Do you want to write down? No, no, no I'm good. The Jazz, Spurs, Clippers, Kings, Lakers. If you had to power rank those rest of the season, uh, where where do those teams land? Uh, I would say, I mean, if we're starting from an even footing or record right now, right now. Other town. Right now. Well, no, no. I mean, like, who do you think, yeah. like, from now on will have the best record? So, like, out of the Jazz, um, Spurs, going Clippers. With the Lakers at one, the Jazz at two, the Kings at three. Spurs at four, Clippers at five. I think the Spurs have been overplaying. Like I did not expect Bryn Forbes to obviously mm-hmm. show out and be an absolute stud behind the three-point line. DeMar DeRozan's shooting has become cancerous from the outside, <laughs> and I, I don't expect them to hold up. Well, I really don't. They're on a four-game losing streak right now. I know, and they need uh, to keep losing. <laughs> yeah, then they're a game and a half back of the Kings. So are you saying the Kings can make the playoffs? I am. So you're saying the Spurs are I falling I think the out. Spurs and Clippers out. 
Kings and Lakers in, potentially the Lakers jumping the Kings in that aspect. But I don't care because the Kings are going to get in. Well, And the Lakers jumping the Jazz too, right? I don't know if they're going to jump the Jazz. Okay. Because the that differential one, is two and a half right now. That one will be close. I, I think that, I mean, I, I agree that... Mm-hmm. that because I was just asking the, the power rankings. James you said good. Lakers, then Jazz. That's yeah. why I asked. The LeBron Jameses are good, but mm-hmm. I don't know that they can make the up Le- that gap. The LeBron And James. especially if LeBron James needs another rest game yeah. in between some things. Well, and also, to too, if, the the, if one of those losses that the Lakers end up suffering is to the Jazz, that's even going to put them back a little bit further, Yeah, uh, which which could be detrimental. I right? like the Jazz. That they, they're, they're in a really good position at this point. Mm-hmm. Ricky, I'm going to ask you the same question. Power rank those, those bottom five teams. I'm going to go ahead and go Jazz at one, Lakers at two, Kings at three. Spurs at four, Clippers at five. Why That's my guy? Why the Spurs at four for both of you guys? Um, because what I will say is, yes, they've been struggling of late, but we also saw how bad this team was to start off the season, and then they had that that jump back up. I think they still have another jump up in them. I don't want them to win, is why I'm putting them there. <laughs> what do you want? You don't want them because I to want win? the Kings in the playoffs. Okay, well, I mean, it literally but, comes down to I would rather watch selfish. a young, energetic Kings team, which is super fun. Rather than the old man Spurs just being the fucking unforgiving, just mm-hmm. we're the Spurs. Zombies. It's the playoffs time. We're here. You can't get well, rid of us. But the thing you look at, the last four that you're saying they lost at the Kings, at Golden State, at Portland, at Utah. You can say, playoff yes, opponents. they're all on the road, but that's what I'm looking at. Playoff opponents. The next game against Memphis, I'm sorry, Memphis, they should beat you. But then you're going at Toronto. You're going, Oof. New York played Toronto tough today. That's <laughs> going to be in New York. Right. Yeah, they lost, but New York Ricky, played Ricky, they tough. haven't won a game at the Garden since December 1st. I'm just saying, it could happen. And especially with a team Ricky, like... Ricky, you were, you were 27 the, when they won a game put, the Garden. No, 28. 28. Yeah, 20, we're older. 29. Um, but, you were, yeah, they were 22 20, years. You were, you were 28 by a whole, uh, a whole month, but too. here's the thing. December 1st, my guy. Here's another thing is... Their next four games, they're not going to be back in San Antonio till the 27th. Like, if they've already been on a road skid, you're not telling me that some more of these road games yeah. are going to be losing? But here's the thing is, at home, they're 22-7. and seven. So they suck, they suck away from San Antonio, <laughs> and but they're a, also one of the best teams at home. They've got a really good role to end the year on. Their last three games are Washington, Cleveland, Dallas. Mm-hmm. So uh, that, is that all at home? Uh, no, it's at Washington, at Cleveland, Home Dallas. And you get the hardest game at home. I love that. Yeah, but you look at the three before that. Yeah, you get the first two at home. The uh, Kings will be tough. The Hawks, depending on how how they're hitting, if Trey Young comes out, hitting some threes. And then Denver on the road. Denver on the road will be tough. San Antonio going up against Atlanta. They've got a lot of winnable games, but I I am shooting Mm -hmm. on the under for them. Mm -hmm. Because I would rather watch a young, energetic team make the playoffs and see what they can do. And you look at overall, they got Portland again. They got Golden State again. They got the Rockets. They got the... Um, nuggets two more times. The Bucks. I'm sorry, does the anyone outside of yeah, San Antonio want to watch Lamarcus Aldridge, Rudy Gay, no. and Demar Derozan? Dave, that's not the point, though. No, and, that's the point I'm making. And you could even make the argument too that you look at you know the King schedule. They have Boston twice. They have mm-hmm. Philadelphia. They have Brooklyn. Uh, they have the Lakers. They have uh, Houston twice. They have to close out the season. They have Utah, possibly a game against. Uh, Anthony Davis uh, on April 7th play and then play. Portland at, to, to end the year. Um, I'll play 24 I mean, and a half. They have a, a road stretch as well going to Los Angeles, Dallas, New Orleans, Houston, San Antonio uh, starting on March 24th going to March 31st. They have Ooh. a couple ba- they have the back to back against Houston and San Antonio there. Like there are no easy roads in the West. Yeah, and you have I mean, even coming up too you have at Denver, at Golden State, at Oklahoma City and then at 
Minnesota, and then you have to come home and play fucking Milwaukee. So like the Kings aren't, I mean, aren't going to have an easy role, gimme, but yeah. role either. Um, but it's at Minnesota, so it's a little bit tougher. And they literally lost to the backups on the Pelicans. <laughs> like they played Anthony Davis for twenty four well, minutes, and then they lost to the backups on the Pelicans. Th- that's fine. You look at the you look at the Kings though too. It's like at Denver, like d- before the All Star break, and then you open it up after the All Star break at Golden State. So you're having like, a fresh Golden State team. Uh, Maybe that 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 could be to their benefit because it's not like Golden State can get any better in my mind. They can only get worse from here. Yeah, and Sacramento has played Golden State tough. Yeah. Um, if I had to rank those teams, I'd, there's a hangover there. I'd say <laughs> L.A. at one. Uh, yeah. I'd say Utah at two. Yep. I'd say Sacramento at three. I'd say hey. I'd say Spurs at four. I'd say Clippers at five. I'm, I'm, so we're all pretty much but, the same. But here's the thing: is I I think that that the three and four between the Kings and the Spurs is closer uh, than what and there's you have a it two as. game gap, right? Um, yeah, so I, 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 and I think that again, I, I want to see the Kings in the playoffs. I'm I'm with you. Yes. I do not want to see the Spurs in the playoffs at all. I love Greg Popovich. I do not want to see his team in the, the playoffs of, uh, uh, at all. I don't want to see Lamarcus Aldridge there at all. I don't want to see that. Um, but I and I do want to see De'Aaron Fox uh, with Harrison Barnes and Buddy Heald and Bogey and Marvin Bagley, who's putting up 17 and 10 over like a five stretch of games, uh, the best five stretch of game of his career. Um, yeah. Like I want to see that stuff, but. I just don't know how feasible it is. I want it to be feasible. I want it to happen, but I don't know how it's going to happen. We can I want to see them get swept by Golden Thank State you, in the playoffs. <laughs> like th- that's what I want to see, but I don't. I don't if think you it's don't like happen. that, you don't like, like Kings basketball. And if you don't like Kings basketball, let us know down in the comments <laughs> below. Uh, I, I want them in the playoffs, but I, I ultimately don't think it's going to be possible. Although I do like all the moves they made. Uh, this offseason, we even really talk about the Harrison Barnes thing. I, I think it's just it's a move that makes sense, uh, just because you know you're they not needed gonna, a wing who could be a legit starter who could defend. And, and it's good for him. Space. It's good for him. Mm-hmm. Change of scenery is going to help Harrison tons. We talk so much about it Sacramento was now. Good. He, he was, was putting up like I, eighteen and like six. Wasn't I he? feel like this is with the Kings. He'll start on hitting, really good shooting percentages. Hitting his already. groove more so with the Kings and with the Mavericks. Yeah, and the thing too is like uh, a different role, but he was he was a good player. You guys you make it sound like he needs he's a reclamation project. No, we're no, gonna talk about but, that in but a he's, second. But he's not you worth the uh, no twenty four million. He's putting up good numbers. Eh, I mean. 40 on 30. I mean, he's shooting 40% from the field. He's shooting 39% from three, which is great. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he was putting up 17 and four. Yeah. 17, four and one. Right. So, I mean. I was a little over, but. Again, like, if, if he can get better from the field, that'd be great. And, he, you know, first game. He's taking it, a lot of contested shots in uh, the Mavericks. And first game is the king. He played 37 minutes and, and, and went two or four from three. So, again, I, I just think that it's going to be interesting to see uh, how he really uh, takes off. But, again, he's not a guy that they would have been able to sign in free agency. They go out and get him. They bring him in. They don't have a ton of salary cap that's going to be taken up because they have so many young guys on cheap deals. So, I, I end up, I, I really like the move uh, for Sacramento. But let us know if you like the move in Sacramento, and do you think that the Kings are going to make the playoffs? Let us know down in the comments below. But let's move into the next topic, and we are talking about, I think, Dave and I's, outside of Luka Doncic, our biggest draft crush. Would you say that, Dave? Uh, he's pretty up there. Uh, for for the past three years, what we've been doing this, right? Yeah. Three yeah. years, would you say that I mean, he's been? I but like that was just no-brainer. You take Ben over this this player? Ooh. At, at draft time, no, I wouldn't have. Okay. It would You're be right. it would be Luca this, this player ben. and then Ben. And I know you wouldn't have this player. No, in your not even not even. Close. Yours was I think Lonzo. Tra- yeah, it was. Well, I think yeah. yours was Trey Young, yes. Lonzo, and Buddy Heald. I don't know. I like. I think that was your three. Uh, 
You I'm rode a, the body heel. Yeah, no, 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 no. What I'm debating is, <laughs> here's the debate. Did yeah. I like Lonzo more than Trey Young? I think I liked Lonzo better. I think it was more on the Lonzo train than I was on the Trey Young train. Yeah, but, but, but I think yeah. those are your three guys. Yeah, no, I'm just debating yeah. on which is number one, Lonzo or Trey. Um, yeah. Man, what a garbage I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think, was there anyone else besides Buddy? I got to look at that draft, but go ahead. Uh, well, no, I'm not saying, I mean, they could be two from a draft. Yeah, uh, no, but, but like my say, one guy from that draft, yeah. I don't know if it was Buddy. My guy this year is going to be Naz Reed, but we're talking about Markel Fultz. <laughs> You're so uh, wrong. Who's not, <laughs> He's trash. We're going to talk about uh, Markel Fultz being traded to the Orlando Magic. Jonathan Simmons, a protected OKC pick. Uh, it's top 20 protected, uh, and a second-round pick going to Philadelphia. And Markel Fultz, uh, the former number one overall pick, going to the Orlando Magic. The Magic finally got their point guard. Dave, you've been mocking it for years now, <laughs> and they finally get their guy. The yeah. best guy you've ever mocked him, at least, that's potentially, true. on paper. That's, that's true. Um, however, we obviously know what he's been going through. He hasn't been healthy. Uh, the shoulder's been messed up, apparently, uh, right after since he was drafted. He's still going through, uh, you know, Rehab, apparently, uh, for thoracic outlet syndrome. What should we expect from Markel Fultz? Is there is there hope still left for Markel Fultz going to Orlando? Oh, there's absolutely still hope out there because you have to remember, even without the shot there, he is still an excellent facilitator. He can still drive to the cup. He's creative. He he is absolutely still... there. there there's, there's hope for him. But if that shot comes back, ooh... That's dirty, and I, I feel bad because I've been saying if that shot comes back for a, quite a long time mm-hmm. now, and I don't I don't know how much longer I can keep saying it. Uh, but look, Markel Fultz was by far the most polished product uh, as a scorer that we had seen in ages. Coming out to the NBA as a from a freshman in college, even during his AAU days, he was roasting people at the under eighteen game. Like he had everything lined up to be a absolute stud in the NBA. So. I'm not done on him. He's 20. I think he's still 20, isn't he? Isn't He can't even drink right now. Um, I think he's 21. Is he? Yeah. He might be 21. I'm looking it up. Because uh, I think Lonzo's 21. Yeah, he's 20. Oh! Is he really? He'll turn 21 May 29th. Damn. It's good. That's insane. <laughs> it's good. He's still 20 years old. Is Lonzo still 20? Um, but yeah, I mean, Mark Hell, it's, it's, he's extremely young. Lonzo's I think, 21. Okay. Uh, if we're still... Thank you for that. Uh, if we're still talking about... You want to know Lonzo's middle name? Just to interrupt you, Anderson. It, is it really Lonzo Anderson Ball? His probably mom's last name. <laughs> maiden name's Anderson. Uh, anyways, uh, going to the Markel Fultz thing though is like if he can get his shot is like if Zion can develop a three, if Ben Simmons I'd say can it's develop a, shot a three. Than that. Really? <laughs> yeah. Is Zion can than, shoot a three? Yeah. Is no. it worse than Ben? No, he, he's a better shooter than Ben. Period. With this? Yep. Period. Currently. <sighs> I mean, currently, I just don't know if he's ever going he's to get to that player. He's got the mid-range, has he? Jimbo. He had that one. He had that <laughs> one sorry. on the right I side one going like away from the elbow, like right in that like spot, like not a three, I still but see it. Uh, it kind of. I, I can't, can't forget, but uh, pretty much the wing. Uh, His elbow extended. Yeah, yeah the elbow extended. Uh, Hezzy Jimbo. But that's the only one we've seen. And I then, know. like, the next game, he's doing this shit where he's, like, doing the roll with the, the free throw. Like, I don't know what this kid can be. Yeah. And I, I I personally don't have any hope. And I think I'm going to have my expectations set low. Well, here's my thing is I'll, ha- I'll set my expectations I'll low. Say, I, I, my expectations are still middle. Like, it, it's, it's like, if he can be a... Average starting point guard. Oh, in the my NBA. hope. My hope is just the fact that he can play. Like, because I don't even know if he can play. 
Is like, he? Am I wrong here, Ricky? Is he I'm getting DJ Augustine? I, I'm going to reach down here. I don't know. I'm going to pull out a word that oh. starts with a B, and oh. I'm starting to polish it off. Oh, no. That's where I'm Oh, at. no. You put that away, sir. I, I am bowling? polishing it off. No, bowling bust. Ball. Oh. A bust. Those bowling balls. That is where I, I am I getting. I want to hear that. Because, like. You take off your head. Because you on the 76ers, <laughs> like, when he was on the You're 76ers, you could say, well, you know what? He's not a bust yet. Well, now you've been traded. That means that team that went and traded up for you and said, nah, bro, we we going to get rid of you because we don't believe in you. It's the wrong now, timeline. But now it is, for Markel Fultz, it's do or die right here. These three years, if he does not fix it by the end of this contract, I'm pulling out that B word and I'm just going to put it on the table. You're a bust. For the Magic, though, I'm conflicted about it because – I get what they say where it's, oh, well, it was a low price, like low risk, high reward. It absolutely I is. I get that, yeah. but I still hate it. I you still have... hate it. What? Because I'd rather keep the pick next year. I'd rather keep Jonathan no. Simmons. I'll just take Darius Garland in the draft because there are so many less so questions. So you go for another injured for, player? But hold there's on, less questions for him than a Mark L. Fultz. How the hell are you getting Darius Garland? In the draft? Yeah. Easily. They're seventh. I think Garland would go seventh. That's not the them. pick they got. They got OKC. And it's no, top 20 no, protected. No, I'm saying this, like, oh, I the rather Orlando keep, Magic. Yeah, I'd rather keep my Thunder pick for Philly, next year. And for the Magic, I'll just take Gar- Darius Garland with right now, which would be the seventh pick in the draft. Because to me, yes, he's coming off an injury, but there's way less Here, questions about him than Markel Fultz. Here's the thing, though. You can take both of them. You, you can still take Darius See, Garland. I don't like that. Yeah, why, they why not? They still don't have a Who, point or you can take Kevin Porter. Like, there's no reason, no law that's making you not take another guard because mm-hmm. you have Jonathan Isaac at the three. You have uh, Aaron Gordon at the four. You have Mo Bamba at the five. So now you just need to fill out that one and two spot. And Markel Fultz, at his best, can possibly be a combo guard. So why couldn't you take a Darius Garland? Why Who couldn't you take could a Kevin be a Porter? Combo guard. Yeah. I mean, like, the, you have the ability to still take a guard. I don't think this takes away. Orlando. This is the lowest risk you could possibly take. Yeah. You, you're giving away a, a 20th pick, like a 24th pick. Jonathan Simmons, who you weren't even using, you don't need, and a second-round pick. That's nothing for a guy who could possibly be like James Harden level if he ever finds his confidence, his shot, <laughs> but or that, anything. But that's the big thing. If. And at this yeah, point, uh, with, of course, but with like, Markel Fultz, the more you say if, the more it's like, well— that ain't gonna happen. But, but here's the like, thing: is like I don't think we're ever gonna see what have you the lost? Ifs, so like, let's stop saying. Well, and that's the thing where I you said lost I'm kind of pick? Yeah. iffy on it because I get the low risk, high reward to where I'm not full on the hate. But there's part of me that's like, you know what? Do you have to take that risk? But the only reason why it's not that big of a deal is because of how low yeah. the risk yeah. is. Give I me another think... point guard who will be there at 24 in the next draft, like. It's just you're not going to get a better one than Markel Fultz. That's the thing is like you couldn't package this for a guy with more potential. Like this is the best deal you could have gotten for that price, and I don't think you're giving up something that's going to handicap your future at all. And this is a guy that can even bolster your future. Like I think this is a great deal for Orlando. I wouldn't it's question amazing. that. Yeah. It's just did or I mean, did Philadelphia possibly give up on him too early? Uh, and and I don't think the answer is yes fully because you you gave up a guy who uh, you know is going to be is still on his rookie deal and is still a guy who you traded up. For and I mean, you pretty much gave away Jason Tatum for him and a future pick. Um, it's looking like a horrible deal. It is a horrible deal because mm-hmm. uh, that deal's over. Uh, Ainge wins because again. even if Markel Fultz turns out to be something, you mean you didn't? Exactly. He's not doing anything for you. Exactly. Um, but you even look at him; it's like they traded him because they wanted the cap space. Because you know they now don't have to pay him thirteen well, million dollars or ten million dollars next year, 10, which is yeah. going to be uh, put towards Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris. Which I mean, it's kind of sad to say. Right, but. 
I, I don't think it was just the cap space. I think it was. Oh no, I don't think so either. But that's, okay. that's a plus. Yeah. Like if he was costing two million dollars, they would have kept him. Probably. But I think it was just they needed to move on from that chapter because their timeline said, "Oh, we got Jimmy Butler. We're making another move for Tobias Harris. We are in engaged championship contender mode." And you know who doesn't fit that? Mark Fultz. We need someone who can help us today. We don't care about tomorrow, next year, two years from now, three years from now. We just don't care. Like, we're here to win now. And I think this is the move that they made says that. I don't think it says anything about, you know, whether they think Mark Fultz will or will not ever find a shot back. It was just they needed to move forward as an organization. No drama, no nothing. And again, it sets them up nicely for the future to get that double signing of Jimmy and Tobias for long term. But I, I don't think it was ever like we have zero faith. I think it's just there's it's too much of an unknown that he will not be able to help us when we need him in the next two years. Yeah, I, I think you look at Fultz, and I think it is a, a great situation for him to possibly thrive. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and I think Philadelphia, it, it was a move that needed to be made. Because, again, yeah. like you obviously mentioned the fact that you know they're bringing in Tobias, they're bringing in Jimmy, they got to spend that money, but, and they're also trying to just get players to help them now. Um, and Fultz wasn't going to help him now. I think that's a, that's a great point that you made. Uh, but it's also like you're getting him out of Philly where it seemed like Philly fans were turning on him, Philly media was turning on him. It was getting toxic, and Orlando was just looking for anything bright. Uh, Orlando was looking for a guard, and they got a guard. And if he doesn't work out, well, shit, that's not our pick that we wasted. Like, we got rid of Jonathan Simmons, who I don't think any Magic fan truly cared about. No. And we're all talking about John- Jonathan Simmons is like an eighth man uh, for Philadelphia, and I don't think anyone's too hyped about it. Uh, and you're looking at that Oklahoma City trade, uh, that Oklahoma City pick, you know, that could possibly swing that Victor Oladipo deal because that's where you got that pick from and you gave up Sabonis and Vic for Serge Ibaka. Like, that's looking like a garbage deal. And no, if you're it able is to a take, deal. Well, if you're able to take that and, and possibly get something out of it like oh, Markel okay. Fultz, try, try to that could possibly again. save it a little bit. Um, so, I mean, I don't think anyone's going to kick themselves in Oklahoma City no. uh, for doing that because they ended up getting you Paul George. Um, but I think with at least the, the Fultz thing, that can at least save that trade. Um, so I, I really like the deal for, for Fultz just because you're going to go to a place in Orlando where there's not high expectations for you. There's not a lot of media out there uh, covering the Orlando Magic. And, you know, I think that the Amway Center can get bumping again if this is a team that gets to the playoffs. Um, and you could kind of be seen as a savior if you're able to come in and, and be productive. I just, again, it's, it's, a, it's a ton of ifs, like Ricky's saying. Um, I don't really want to throw out the board bust there because I think it's too obvious. He's 20. Well, it's, but it's also too, too obvious, obvious, too, yeah. because, like, if he doesn't play and he's, you know, released, like, he's Greg after Oden. this year, he's Greg Oden, he's Anthony Bennett. Uh, no, Anthony Bennett's different. How? Anthony Bennett was never a great player in his prime it was of just college. A, he was never a great player. It was just mm-hmm. a bad Mark draft Markel Fultz was a phenomenal player in college. Yes, his team couldn't win games, yeah. but he was an incredible individual well, talent. So was Greg Oden. But I'm saying more of the fact that they didn't make it to another contract. Right, Bennett. Was oh, I think I think somebody will give Mark Fultz a contract. I, there's enough teams desperate for point guard reclamation. No, the Suns. Well, are you right talking away. about the team that drafted him didn't make it to the no, second contract? No, I'm talking about second NBA contract. Oh, okay, Anthony Anthony Bennett didn't make it to one. Okay. I think Mark Fultz is still a possibility. Didn't Greg Oden get a ten day from Miami or something like that? Yeah, he was, I think he won a ring with Miami. Yeah, because um, he was like Greg. LeBron James' father behind. Yeah, him, that's that why picture. I throw Greg Oden great. in there. I, I think Greg didn't make it to it. Not right away though. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, he he was rehabbing for quite some time. But yeah. I mean, he was again incredibly talented. It's just his health gave out on him. And I I know the cases there to be made about the mental status of Markel Fultz. Um, but I because nothing's public, all I can say is 
he has a diagnosed condition now, mm-hmm. and that's being addressed correctly for well, the first time in his in the last two years. The thing with Fultz that I, I just kind of wanted to push just a little bit is if he doesn't make it to that second contract, and if you're talking about like reclamation projects, it's just can he actually be out on the floor? Like I think that would be a win for Orlando if he's able to at least put up like you know he's he's able to come back at some point in this you know, this series and able to finish out hopefully like the last twenty games uh, for Orlando and then you look at next year hopefully he can play like seventy games for a, for you and I think that would be a win for this trade just to see what he can do yeah. um and but even then if he goes out there he's plays seventy games he's not able to do anything I think he could definitely not be looked we're at we're talking about the guy who is the youngest triple double in NBA history. He's gonna that be doesn't able to mean do. shit anymore. He, no, he had the youngest triple double in NBA history without being able to shoot from the outside. You have to give him some credit for that. Not really. Wow. I, I mean, I'm just what, gonna say, what, did triple doubles mean anything anymore? I mean, Luke is doing it. I mean, we have Russ <laughs> doing it for a whole year. Fuck? What? I mean, like, no, honestly, make the argument that they do because, like, what? What did that? What? When was that game? Who did they play? Like, it's not that memorable anymore. Yeah, we don't care about Russ no more. <laughs> Russ, is a- Russ is averaging hate, another triple double. Why do you hate us? Because it's all about James Harden now. I'm just asking that question because it's. I mean, Luca just broke the the record again. Like Lonzo did it, and then Markel broke it in the same year, and then Luca did it. Like no, Luca didn't break it. Luca he broke he, the thirty ten ten. The, the thirty mm-hmm. ten ten. Uh, so I mean, like we have these rookies just coming in and doing it. It's not that impressive anymore. I Markel still had like say 11, 10, out and of 11. these, you know, 60 rookies drafted, one person doing something that hasn't been done in NBA history every single year is still pretty freaking impressive. And I would I would definitely say that statistically contributing to your team in a winning effort in every possible category mm-hmm. is impressive. I think that you may have lost your lackluster of it's a unique special thing because it's happening often, sure, but the point of the matter is, is he's still doing some of everything, which means, guess what? You have a very diverse player who is able to contribute to your team winning in multiple assets or, or multiple aspects. Mm-hmm. I mean, he put up 13, 10, and 10 in that game against Milwaukee, and Giannis only played 22 minutes. Tony Smith played 25. Sterling Brown got 30 minutes. how many minutes. did he play? Huh? How many did Markel play? Markel played uh, 26? Yeah. 20... Uh, 20, 25, 25. Yeah, so in 25 minutes uh, or less, he had a triple-double. 25-15. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty good. Last time I checked. I mean, it shot like 45% from the field. Like, I, I just... I, Numbers, like, I are just, they even... Do they even mean anything? He wasn't doing it against great competition. Like, if if, if Markel Fultz put up the a, a triple-double... The Bucks were playoff team, were they not? But you were going up against their actual playoff lineup. You're playing up against Jabari Parker and Sterling Brown and Tyler Zeller and Brandon Jennings and Thon Maker and Matthew Dellatova and J- Jet got in five minutes in that game. I'm like, sorry, Jet didn't get more. Yeah, Jet got five in that game. <laughs> he didn't even get a three. They loved him. Um, like you're playing John Henson and Tony Snell for 25 minutes. Like Tony Snell's probably been a 25 minute player like all the years he's been there though. Like he's a Giannis got the he's fifth a 40 plus percent three point shooter and a good defensive wing. Giannis got less quit, minutes than Marco. Quit talking Fultz. like he's trash. I mean, Gian, but Giannis got less minutes than yeah. Marco Fultz that game. Like, it's not like I, I think it, if triple doubles can lose their meaning if they're not in context. I don't think so. Whatever. Uh, I beg. I uh, just we have to agree to disagree. I mean, hopefully he can put up more triple doubles. I'd be great. It'd be fantastic. I don't but. think he needs to. I think it's just he needs to come back and just play games, and that's all. All it comes down to is if he can come back and play games for the Magic. This is a win on their end. And that's the thing with me where I am questioning that I, if I had to put my money on it right now, he ain't getting that second contract. 
he is going to fizzle out and then be nothing after like I think it's going to be so bad to where this year happens, next year happens, the magic go, well, this was fun, and then let him go. Why? Exactly? Like, he doesn't, like, I just don't see, like, we talk about, and Dave even said how long he's been saying it. We've been saying, what if, what if, what if, for so long to where I'm like, I don't see any visual proof that things are going to change and that he's going to find his game. Stella's not going to get her groove back. He's going to go through this year, go through next year in my mind, and then the magical of a choice, and let's say they do draft Darius Garland and he plays better, they'll say, why are we going to pay you $12 million when we got this kid on a second year con- second year of his rookie contract? Have fun, Markel. I think the biggest thing for Fultz will just be playing. And I think I'm going to contradict myself. Like I said, like you know, even if he plays seven games, uh, 70 games next year, like it's still up in the air that he might not get a second contract. I think if he plays, he can still like be a, a contributor. I think he just might get like a one year deal uh, if he's not blowing the world uh, off off a tinges. Because then you know teams might throw an RFA deal at him and make the magic match it. I say, um, I mean, worst case scenario, he's basically Alfred Payton, right? <sighs> um. I'm saying worst case scenario. Yeah. He's basically Alfred Payton. Who well, was the worst, magic? No, worst case scenario is he could well, he's be much not, worse than Alfred Payton. I, I think worst is he's not playing. I think if he plays for you, you get. If he's playing, the like, worst potential outcome is Payton Alfred level. Payton. Yeah. I just. And I think that being on this team. The, yeah, being on this team, I think that you have the ability to distribute. Because you have Aaron Gordon running a pick and roll. Mo Bamba's a big body. Uh, Vucevic is still on this team. He's a big body, too, if you, you play this year. Fournier knocking down from the outside. Uh, yeah. With Ross. Like, I mean, there's there's the ability to be effective on this team. Uh, it's just being out there. I just don't know if I can trust that. Uh, again, it's just it's huge ifs. So I think it's the right scenario for him. And yeah. if it doesn't work here, that's why I'm saying he might not make it to another NBA contract. If he's you know, hurt, he's not trusting himself. Uh, I just want to see him be like, don't shoot ever again. Just drive because he's really good at driving. He's got a great body. He's got great length. Uh, he's smart. He's Work crafty. For he's crafty. Like, just wait, wait two years until you start shooting. Like, I just want to see him playing. And I don't know if that's gonna that's gonna happen because we haven't even heard news about if he's gonna play for Orlando. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't hear news about he was how rehabbing. His rehabbing uh, was going. They were aiming at G League for both he and Zaire together. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, they put Patton and Zaire together. Yeah, and, and, I'm sorry, Patton and Zaire were together. He was further out. Yeah, you're right. But even then, it was it was four to six weeks, and that was months ago. Yeah, it was like two months ago. Do you think the Magic weeks. still do something like that, or do we not see them next year? And the Magic plan is let's just get you ready for next season. Oh, uh, you try mean to this get year? You, yeah, like this year, kind of play it low, rehab, and yeah, then like, I hey, I don't know if I let's get you ready for 2019, 2020. 50-50, he plays a game this year, uh, going forward. Like, I don't, it's just, we haven't had any communication, so mm-hmm. it's hard to say that he 100% will be back, so 50-50. Like, if he's healthy, sure, put him out there. Well, There's no harm that can be done at this point. And the thing is, is that, you know, him and his his agent, Raymond Brothers, and himself, they could have just not liked the way the 76ers were handling it, mm-hmm. and maybe he's just going to be absolutely fine and play, you know, next week. Yeah. Like, I think that, we don't know what's going on. Right. Uh, I would even put it, like, 2080 that he doesn't play, because okay. I just don't know. Like, I don't trust this going on at all because I, I think he's been healthy this whole time it's all been his head Ooh. and I, I don't like I don't know what's happening on I don't know if yips I just think he's got a ton of shit in his head 
Uh, he's got to figure it out, and I, I hope he does. I'm not saying like I'm not trying to like bash you know any mental yeah. problems or mental issues or mm-hmm. mental health problems that he's dealing with. Uh, but it's just something that like I don't know what the hell's going on with him, and mm-hmm. maybe it is all physical, but maybe it's also making up in his head that there is something physical because he was such a great basketball player and he just hasn't been able to find it. Uh, it it's happened before. Uh, I, I just don't know if it's gonna it, w- what the situation is until we see him out on the floor. I uh, can't really say it, but uh, Markel Fultz, I think he's in the right place to thrive. I think the team's a good fit for him. I think the the arena, I think the the city's a good fit for him. Yeah, uh, it's just he's got to do it now. He's got to. It's all on Markel to go out and be the number one draft pick of the 2017 draft, where Donovan Mitchell was taken, Jason Tatum was taken, uh, De'Aaron Fox was taken, uh, Lonzo Ball was taken. Wrong no. draft. No, De'Aaron Fox is in that draft, right? Yeah. Jared yeah, because Jared Fox ate that booty. Yeah, so you gotta you gotta go <laughs> you gotta go out and prove it. I I, I do have one final question for you. Mm-hmm. Are you surprised it wasn't the Suns making a, an effort to get him because there were two yeah. teams in the running and it was Suns or Magic and it was a cheap cheap yeah. thing. I think the only thing would just be who would the Suns have to give up that's equal to uh, Jonathan Simmons. Jonathan Simmons depends how much they value Kelly Oubre. Yeah, well, because then he's an RFA. Um, and they wouldn't pick him up anyway for next year, so that's yeah. equivalent. Uh, he is younger, though, so I think that the— But he's a good the, defender. But I think the Sixers are probably looking at the playoff experience. Potentially, yes. That yeah, Simmons, Simmons had. had from the Spurs. Uh, so I think that could be something. And also Brett Brown's—you know, Brett Brown knows that he can play in a similar system because obviously Brett came from the uh, that, that pop tree. Could um, offer him Rashawn Holmes back? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, like— I, mean, I was just—yeah, I know they got— bo- uh, uh, Boban, but yeah, still. I mean the thing is that both these guys, both these teams, didn't have guards to offer up to him. Like if yeah. they had a guard to offer up, like maybe even DJ Augustine. I'm surprised like DJ wasn't thrown on that deal uh, to you know work off the they bench. They would literally have nothing then. The well, Magic. Yeah, but what are they playing for? Well, and, and <laughs> they also, can't just go full Suns and not have a point guard. Well, and if I'm the Suns too, they're in a different situation than the Magic because like how I said with the Magic, oh why would you do this? You can take Darius Garland in the draft. If you're the Suns, like, they were probably sitting there going, you know what, we're not going to give up too much because right now in the draft, if we stick where we're at, we miss on Zion, but we can get Ja at two and still be fine to where maybe that's what played into them not really pressing to get a yeah, Marco Fultz. but I think, the, the, like, they didn't have an OKC pick to give up, but they could have probably yeah. given up, you know, a ton of twos. Is it, is it also weird to just realize that Orlando has... 11 more wins than, or I think 11 more wins than Phoenix. With all that young talent on Phoenix, like Orlando's just winning games. 12, I know it's the East West thing, but still. It's 23. Kind of they also have an All Star. They have Vucevic. And and I think you, you have veterans that aren't really, I mean, you have young players and more young talent, but you also have veterans who are coming out uh, playing under Steve Clifford, who uh, is a guy who can, you know, get, get a the lot, team. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like he's, he's a guy who's, his teams will be close to 500, just not good in the playoffs. Now, uh, anyways, I've tangented a couple Yeah, you're fine. Uh, that's going to do it for the Markel Fultz trade. Uh, let us know what you think down in the comments below. Do you think Markel will have a resurgence in his career? Uh, we all sure hope so, but it's it's definitely going to be a tough road uh, for Markel to uh, climb. And hopefully for the Magic, they do, because we would love to see him with a, a point guard and hopefully a future superstar. I would love to see uh, Markel Fultz uh, thrive, especially in Orlando, because maybe we could stop giving them so much shit, too. Uh, I, I would like to do that. Uh, but anyways, let us know your thoughts down in the comments below. But let's jump into the final topic. Again, don't forget to check us out on Patreon.com slash Podcast. You can be like Jake and be on a podcast. We appreciate his support and all of our other patron support, like Bill, who was on very recently, like Pat, who was on recently. We have John coming up 
as well. Also, uh, shout out to everybody else who who is a patron uh, and, and does support us, like uh, our, our guy Shane, who was on the onside mm-hmm. kick. Uh, but let's jump into this talk. We're going to finish it strong with the Bulls-Wizards trade. Jabari Parker and Bobby Portis and a second-round pick uh, go to the Washington Wizards, and the Bulls get Otto Porter Jr. Uh, being in Chicago, there was a lot of hate for this trade. Ricky, I'm going to go to you as the— In Chicago, there was a lot of hate. People were pissed that huh. they picked up Otto Porter because hmm. people love Bobby Portis and that Otto Porter is making that much money for the next three years. People were not happy with this hmm. trade uh, in Chicago. Not these two guys. <laughs> not these two. We were happy. That's the thing. We got a Wang. So, so I'm, I'm asking we you, got Wang. what was your reaction? Why, why do you have a positive outlook on this? Uh, I like it because now I'm going to like it and hate it. And it's all going to depend on where our draft situation is because now if we do what we're supposed to and lose games, like play very well, lose the game in the end, hopefully all we need is a top three pick, same odds. I Now I, I'm even hoping just one or two. Like if we miss out on Zion, we get Jot too. We can take him, have Jot the one. We figured out our three problem. Even if we're at four, I mean, we'll just – take a wing or we can even reach on a Darius Garland depending on what his workout is. But yeah, I was not mad at this because now we don't have to overpay Bobby Portis. And now like we got something out mm-hmm. of Jabari. Well, and people were saying that Bobby Portis has better numbers this year, that Bobby was uh, such a hard, you know, nosed player he that wasn't he wanted gonna, to be in Chicago. He wasn't going to fit in. Well, Bob, that's the thing is like yeah. you, you look at Markin and, and, and Wendell Carter, where the fuck was Bobby Portis going to play? You're going to yeah, pay him $14 exactly. million dollars to sit on the bench? Come on. Yeah, no, he is he he's a good energetic player. Yeah. I love Bobby. I love what he did he's for the Bulls. He's already hit his ceiling. But yeah, he he is not going to suddenly you know learn how to play defense and get better. Guess what? Otto Porter is. He's a wing who can play defense. Who shoots above forty percent from mm-hmm. three. Who shoots above? I think it was like what, what was his last year? It was like forty eight from two. Like he he's an incredibly efficient shooter. And I know that this year was kind of like a slump year for him because of all the John Wall garbage, but. Uh, I just, in my heart of hearts, can't see a way that this isn't a win for this Bulls team because it's realistic. You can cry about his contract all day. Who's going to sign with the Bulls? I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's a bad contract at all. Because Who's going to sign? I'm going to throw this out there. Yeah. Just imagine it this way: the money that we're using on Otto Porter. Yep. That's what we would have offered for Bobby Porter. Just think of it that way. We would not offer. No, no, Bobby no, no, Porter's no. I'm not saying we would, but think of it that way. Like, okay, we got rid of Bobby. This is the money this that is we our would have been paying. Yeah, basically, this is our free agent move. Plus, also, if you look at it, when does Otto Porter... Dave, read my computer. When does Otto Porter's contract come up? 2021. When does Laurie Markkinen's contract come up? 2021. They add the same. They're Otto Porter, that money's coming off the books when yeah, we have to go ahead and give it to Laurie. Also, you can go over the luxury tax to keep Markkinen because you'll no, have his bird rights. Exactly. So, but, I mean, it doesn't at really the same time, I mean... That's going to free up for Plus, moves that maybe we want to make in the if future. If Otto plays solid, and then who knows? We might want to keep him. Who knows indeed? Who We've knows got his bird rights at that point. Who knows if he's going to take his uh, player up? Yeah, he will in 2020. Absolutely will. And I mean, this is something where now we can get a top three pick. And instead of like, of course, everyone's tanking for Zion. But if we get the two, all we got to do, actually not even two, we just got to end in front of Phoenix and we get John Morant. Um, 
just to answer your question previous, uh, Otto Porter last two years, 14 points, uh, 6.4 boards, 1.8 assists on 50% shooting from the field, 43% shooting from three, and 55% from two point. Incredible. Um, yeah, and the thing, too, Ricky, going off that is, mm-hmm. um, you know, having Zion, if you're the number one pick, you can't go past him. You're, you're 100% right. He's a possible transcendent player. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to figure out where he's going to play. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, having Otto Porter, that might move him to the bench. Uh, but you'll have to figure that out, and that's a problem that is good to have. You're going to yes. have Zion Williamson. You're going to have to figure out where to play him. I don't think that's the worst problem to have. Um, however, the fact that I still see people disrespecting John Morant on Twitter and saying, I don't know how good he is because Campaign came here and Isaiah Cannon came from here, it doesn't mean shit. I tweeted this out. Elliot uh, Harrison, mm-hmm. what, what the fuck was his name? Elliot something? I have no uh, idea. And, and goddamn... Uh, I can't think of these guys' names because they're bums. They both yep. were guards that came from Duke. Does it mean you're not going to take Kyrie Irving? Talent is talent. We're not just looking at these guys and being like, oh, well, look at the numbers. He's playing great. Like, yes, there are garbage guys who are not in you know power programs mm-hmm. who are putting up 27 a game, but they're not John Morant with his explosive ability like he has, his ability to uh, move the ball around. There's not guys that are putting up 24 and 10 each and every single night, putting up 40-point triple-doubles in Murray State. These are records that are being mm-hmm. set. These aren't just well, things that are putting up against trash competition. These are guys who have actual talent going up. Yes, he might not be as good as you can see, but this is a guy that's a guy, goddamn star. He has potential, and you could see it if you watched any highlights from him. Yeah, and the thing I want to throw out there, in case you guys didn't see it on Twitter, I'm going through the whole thing because I'm giving this guy a shout-out because it was a good one. It started with your tweet on MVP's uh, mo- at yeah. Most Valuable Pod saying, I don't want John Morant because Murray State has never produced a good pro guard would be equal to saying, I don't want Kyrie Irving because Frank Johnson and Elliot Williams came from Duke. Those are talent the is bumps. talent. I quoted that and said, I don't want Steph Curry because who the fuck comes out of Davidson? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No one came out of Davidson. I had to look it up, by the way. Um, And then I got to throw a shout out at Josh Davis, who follows me on Twitter, Bulls fan. Um, And he quoted it and said, I don't want at KD Trey five because who the fuck calls Kevin or who the fuck called Kevin is good at sports. Uh, Kevin McHale. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's like. I don't want Kevin Durant because Kevin Kevin's Garnett. so bad at sports. Kevin Garnett. Exactly. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I don't get the hate for Ja. Um, the only worry I have as a Bulls fan is we are two and a half games out of the first pick, which I don't think we're going to catch the Knicks. But if we win a couple more, I feel like we could be solidifying ourselves at that four Trey spot. Trey Young got to get better. That's the only <laughs> thing. Like, I don't want to fall out of the top five. Obviously, the three is the fi- money. We got a five-game like yeah. cushion. I know. I know. Kevin Euclid. <laughs> great. What? Thanks. He's, he's naming other All great Kevins. Kevins. Yeah. But I'm sorry. New York at 16 straight losses and Phoenix at 13 straight losses. I mean, what are you supposed to do we against just, that? We just got to hope the ping pong balls are in our favor. Cleveland. Cleveland. The Suns I mean, get Suns. I need Larry Nance to have another night like he had last night. I need Colin Sexton, same thing, but just actually win the game. I just did the lottery and the Bulls got the first overall pick. Uh, does Kelvin Benjamin count? No, it's not a Kevin. It's, it's a Kevin. Kevin. He's also not good. Okay. Um, <laughs> Yikes. I, yeah, I think that... You know, it's it's going to be playing into the lottery mm-hmm. and figuring out I, the fact that you guys have 13 wins and still aren't number one is pathetic. Um, but tanking, don't you love it? They're, they're better than us at tanking. <laughs> yeah, they're horrible teams. That's uh, the thing. Do you well, think Otto we Porter ruins Because we actually have a core. Do no, you think I don't Otto think Porter ruins I, I know because the Hawks have built a cushion that we might not be able to catch up to. Like we just lost to the Wizards, Dave. 
the Wizards. Like and who we beat think, us? Think about it. no, who, no. Who, who beat us? It's Jabari though. and Bobby, but Bobby <laughs> had a bad game. Um, think about this. This is the basketball gods keeping it even. We beat the Brooklyn Nets, who are a playoff I don't team, your and then lose to the Wizards. But it should have been the opposite. Back. I know he's I know. not healthy. I'm yet. just saying, and playoff also, teams I expected to lose, and, then and also, won. I mean, Mark didn't put up 30 points. He didn't put up 30 points mm-hmm. against the Wizards. Uh, you also had Jabari's revenge game, which was weird. Um, <laughs> he's but assisting yeah. people now. <laughs> the, Did anyone know he could do that? Well, no. he just hates Jim Boylan. Well, the the, the thing so. is, and you mentioned it, is just the fact that you got to jump Phoenix because. If if even if you're at three in New York yeah. and Cleveland are there, you're still going to be able to get Ja. Uh, if you land with R.J. Barrett, then that's you, you fucked up. I mean, he's going to be a great pro. Don't get yeah. me wrong, uh, but it's just not the right fit. Zion is one of those players you cannot pass up. Yeah. Um, and some people are saying he's fitless. Yeah. I I, I talked. I was talking to somebody today, uh, and it was uh, the discussion of you know I don't think Zion's that good. Uh, or you know the the fact that people are going to overhype Zion, and we already mm-hmm. talked about this uh, yeah. back in mock draft 2.0. Uh, we open up with it if you want to have that discussion, and it's like it's fine if he might not be that good, but at worst he's a for sure starter. Like he's not going to be a guy that's just a bench guy. He's not going to be Markel Fultz. He's not going to make it to, possibly not make it to his second uh, you, you know second contract. Ooh. He's a guy that's a, an athlete that we've never seen before. And, yeah, he might not be able to be a number one guy. That's probably the worst thing that he might not be able to do. But he's a guy that finds a way to win. He's a guy that's going to help you defensively and get, help you offensively. He's a guy that's going to give you max effort. And that max effort is coming from a six seven player who is 285 pounds, who can jump 44 feet in the air, and is one of the fastest players on the basketball court. Like, yeah, he might not be able to shoot, but he also has great dribbling ability. He has the ability to pass, and he has an unfreakish ability to put himself in defensive positionings to stop balls from going into the bucket. Like, he has the ability to be a leader on the floor. And yeah, he might not be as good as R.J. Barrett. He might never put up 24 points per game, but he can be a leader on a team that can win a championship. And that's something special for a guy who might not even be a number one score uh to to be able to say that so i i think there you'd be stupid to pass up zion williamson yeah he might not be an mvp one day but he might be you know he, he for sure will be an all-star at some point in his career uh so you can't pass that up and and again it's just like i i i i kind of get people worrying a little bit about john morant just coming from murray state it's like again who came from murray state campaign um, and yeah that, isaiah cannon but yeah. like uh yeah. like i, I just it's it's it doesn't matter. No, like, you, talent's talent, and you watch this kid, mm-hmm. and not only he's giving max effort too, just like Zion is, uh, and and he's doing his best to will this team he to win upstairs. every single night, mm-hmm. and he can go upstairs. Uh, like someone really. didn't get the memo. I mean, the two that I showed you tonight were he had the alley oop dunk on one end where someone threw it up to him. And then on the next play, gets the rebound, dribbles it down, throws one up to somebody else. Like, you're telling me you don't want that on your team? Give and receive. You don't man. want He's that unselfish. passing ability with Zach, with Otto now, with Laurie, mm-hmm. with Wendell when he gets healthy next year? Like, are you crazy? Yeah, like, that's a core. For me, the biggest problem with this Bulls team is what you said the last time. Hmm. Jim Boylan is going to be our head coach. That is the biggest problem. I saw another thing on Twitter I tried to find. Um, was from Bull Scripted, where mm-hmm. he quoted something where it was like um, Garpax was, again, saying that they believe that Jim Boylan is doing the right thing. And it's like, how can you see that? The players yeah. hate him. Uh, the players cannot stand him. Jabari just had his revenge game just to get back very at publicly. us. Well, exactly. And there was another thing, too, uh, John Paxson did an interview with a local radio station. Yeah, he did. Um, 
and it was very contentious. And he started going and talking about, uh, well, the Bears got lucky in their rebuild, and you know, there's no reason why we couldn't get lucky. Um, and Jim Paxton's talking that, like, you know, the Bulls had this crazy rebuild, and you know, they they made the right moves. And is he saying the Bears got lucky because they traded for Mitch? Well, no, the fact that the Cleo Mac was available. Oh, okay. Um, but what I was, what what I would retort to that, and John Paxton saying that is. The guy that was doing the job before mm-hmm. uh, Ryan Pace, the guy who traded for Cleo Mack, got fired. Yeah. You need to move on from the current front office. That means you're losing your job, John. Like, mm-hmm. realize what's in front of you. You're not – you shouldn't be here. No one wants you here. And the fact that Jerry Reinsdorf and Michael Reinsdorf had their head up their ass doesn't mean the fact that you guys are doing something that the Bears did. Like, yeah, the Bears got lucky. That doesn't mean you're going to get lucky. And it doesn't mean that you is guys he, can make the right personnel is, choice is because he, you're looking at Jim Boylan straight in the face and thinking he's doing a great job. Is he trying to tell us that – Kevin Durant's going to choose us because that's asinine. With what money? Now, I know, exactly. Like, it's, But that's the only thing I can think of with him saying, no. well, why can't we get no, lucky? I just th- so Kevin Durant's I just coming think, here. That, I just I'm reading again. I just think that John Paxson's delusional. I think that's all you can read into it is that John Paxson's delusional and Gar, pa- Gar mm-hmm. Foreman's delusional. Like, that's the only thing they can do. And if they hire, if they keep Jim Boylan, not hire, if they mm-hmm. did, uh, if they mm-hmm. keep Jim Boylan around, it's just another delusional move. And if they pass on John Morant, which I don't think they would, or if they pass on Zion Williamson, it's another delusional move. Uh, I don't think they're that dumb. If they have the number one pick, think... they're going to take Zion. If they have the number two pick, mm-hmm. they're going to take John Morant, and that would be smart. Do you think we would trade up if we didn't to get John Morant? Could or do be, you though. think... Where would they be? Uh, say it lands exactly how it stands. We so go four. New York one, Suns at two, Cavs at three, Bulls at four, think Hawks at five. think we give uh, the Suns real KD and... Question mark to move up. Would the Suns want that, or would they say no? We'll just take John Morant. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Like, do you think that if it landed this way, we would have firepower? Because I don't, I don't know if Phoenix would give up a chance at a point guard. I, well, you'd two. have to probably give them an offer they couldn't refuse. Yeah, really. Which I don't think we've got. Yeah, <laughs> unless they're interested in RJ Barrett. Like that's the only thing that I can think of, or like they're interested in please. Cam and possibly moving Devin Booker to the oh, one. Please. Like that. Ooh, I, 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 I don't know what Phoenix is thinking at yeah. all. Yeah. And mm-hmm. if you go with them for saying, like, hey, we'll give you the four, Chris Dunn, and uh, like I'm just a thinking, future. You know, Ricky mentioned trading up for a QB. Quarterback of the mm-hmm. NBA is the point guard. Yeah. Would we be able to do that? I, I, I Say it's anybody but Atlanta. Or say, say anybody but Phoenix. Say Phoenix gets bounced, and we're still out of the range. Like, Well, if you're still the four, I still think you can get them. Okay. Because... See, I don't only because I think Phoenix would go there, but like you said, they could. They no, could but go he's saying else. he's saying if Phoenix isn't a two, say it gets pushed up for either New York, Cleveland, Atlanta, one of those other teams gets top two, and we're saying at three. So like, and Phoenix is five. Let's four. say this top three is there minus this Detroit thing that got thrown in there, um, like New York, Memphis. Yeah. And then Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, do you think that Yeah, I think that uh, it's pretty much the I guess get you're saying team based, but yes we would. Do you think that do you think that's something that we would do as an organization? Trade up for Ja? No. I yeah. think I think the Bulls No, I think will stay they would. Pat. I think it's just the team that would would take. I don't think the Suns would take it because they would rather have Ja on a long-term contract uh rather than Chris Dunn who's going to be expiring soon and then two picks. Um Chris if, Dunn just if you're giving feels... the Grizzlies the ability to mm-hmm. move from two to four and you're giving them a future Chris Dunn or some other player that they want, uh, I think you could even probably just do the two and the four flip because really who are the Grizzlies needing right now? They don't need John Morant. They'd probably want RJ or Cam, and you could still get that player at four if the, the Bulls are trading up to get uh, Ja at two. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's an interesting thought that that kind of came by. It's was, then would would we put in stock to go get that guy for? Well, and then the would Phoenix also be giving in stock? And then mm-hmm. would you have a bidding war to trade up? Phoenix has a lot of young assets. You got to think though, and I'm going to put this into consideration. I know it was the moving from 16 to five, and there were other pieces. The last time the Bulls moved up moved up like that from 16 to seven. We were offering Jimmy Butler. But that was for three first-rounders. No, I know, but like... That was Jimmy Butler for three first-rounders. But That's I'm different. saying like if... And that was 16 to 7. This is going to be in the top five where I think that the asking price from the Suns would be too much. The asking price to move up but would it's, be too the, much. The reason why it would be too much is because they're going for the same player. If they're not going for the same player, I don't think it would be too yeah, much. because it's you on can, the other team. If it's could, Atlanta, well, they're not taking jobs. The last time they actually traded up... Was a flip very similar? Was they tra- Lamarcus? Dra- yeah, they drafted Lamarcus at two overall, and they took Tyrus Thomas at four. And all they did was Lamarcus for Tyrus flip, and they threw in Victor uh, Kaipra, who was a guy who was just like who did who expired like the next year. He was like an overseas guy who was like forty years old or something like that. Uh, so I mean, that was just a guy that you know they both like different players. They just wanted to flip them. Like it, 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 it could I mean, be something similar to go the, back to just last year, the Luca and Trey thing. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, mm-hmm. all Dallas did was give them a future pick because yep. they wanted Trey Young, they wanted Luca, they gave them a future pick. Like if that's Memphis, I think Memphis does that because they don't need John Morant. They have Mike Conley, unless they really like Ja that much and think he's going to be the replacement player to Mike Conley. So if you're um, the Bulls, are you okay giving up your 2019 and well, we couldn't give up our 2020 because we can't give up back to back. So it would be 2019, 2021. I wouldn't see a reason why not. Well, no, you you can give no, up the twenty nineteen because we'd be in the okay. twenty nineteen yeah. draft. So it's just like twenty 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 one. We couldn't do. Okay, you're, just, you're flipping the rights. Yeah, Correct. then the twenty flip the rights or just give them like give the team the twenty twenty pick. No, no, no. You're flipping the rights of the twenty nineteen pick. Okay, yeah, that's, that's you're why. Still, you're, still, okay. like, you're still because like if you look at, if you look at okay. Atlanta, Atlanta yeah. technically selected Luka Doncic. Yeah, they still he was had, selected by yeah. Luka, but they traded him. Yeah, they had Luka Doncic. They Carmelo Anthony. Top of the world, Atlanta Hawks. But, like, and with the Bulls are, see, and that's the question that goes into it, too. It adds another question mm-hmm. of if we're in a rebuild, and I know we're a different rebuild because, like, Zach, Markinen, um, Wendell, we have a core. Like, we, now we, we've we got add two guys who can score that, 20 plus a game. I feel like if we trade the 2020 pick, yep. are we basically then. Are we then expecting to make the playoffs because then we won't have a first rounder? Or then do it's we have to time. make a move to try to get a 2020 first round pick? I think that we would probably be in it's the East, so mm-hmm. there's a chance we could make the top eight uh, in the eighth slot. But I think we'd likely be a like 10 to 13, 10 to 14 team in the East. When did John Paxson walk in the room? Even if you get John Morant, you're not a playoff team. Absolutely no, are. If we stay healthy. No. Yes. Who's your head coach? Jim Boylan. You're not, Jim you're not a playoff. Freaking Boylan. Who's making the personal? Mark moves? Jackson. Mark Jackson. If we rolled coach. in with the same with the starting five of Ja, um, it would be Zach Levine. It would be Ja, Otto. Zach, Otto. No, no, um, I understand Laurie the talent's there. You can't yeah. go anywhere if they don't want to play for the coach. If they're healthy, we, I don't, we will. It doesn't games. matter. I don't think so because you still have. And the, we have this guy KD as our six man. Like true. Do, or, I, do we, or do we I'm try to saying, ship him? I'm not saying the talent's not there. But you really need someone to lead that locker room. And they do not trust Jim Boylan. And I don't trust the front office. Yeah. Like, yes, the talent's there. I'm not disagreeing with that. The talent is absolutely 100% there. 
and the East sucks. That's that's my point more. But here it doesn't matter because especially East like, that could be because you have the this horrible monster. Yeah, uh, that's maybe two over. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the pr- I it's just garbage as your head coach. Let me throw this out. What if we'll say it's the exact same way it is? Yep. You've got New York, Phoenix, Cleveland, and the Bulls. Let's say we can't trade up to get Ja. Yep. Would you be okay with the Bulls saying, hey, we're going to go the other side of it. We're going to take our pick. We're maybe going to take KD, try to move back to a team that maybe wants a Cam Reddish, and then we'll take Darius Garland. We'll move back to get a Darius Garland because we can't get up to get Ja. Yeah, it's it's possible. It's possible, but um, like as risky. a Bulls fan, would you be okay with that I'm if you're fan. bringing in another 2020 pick? Yeah, I'm cool with that because that would be. I, I like Otto Porter a lot more mm-hmm. than other people do, probably. So I like him. Well, I like Zach Levine enough to say that he he'd be at two still. So. It's 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 clear what their plan is. Again, it's yeah. it's Zion or it's Zion if they have their number one pick. If not, it's Ja, and then I think they're definitely going to be going after a point guard because I think Chris Dunn's run up, run up his time and he doesn't mm-hmm. even fit the well, age keep, limit outside of Otto Porter. He's being evaluated. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, Otto Porter. I think it was a good deal. Um, Absolutely, it's pretty clear that they're going after John Morant in the draft. It's a bummer uh, to lose Bobby though. Yeah, with without the one two punch, who knows where we'd be. It was cool though. He's the first ever player, only ever player, to put up back to back thirty point uh, games on different teams. My yeah. favorite uh, is the comment where Bobby was like, he tweeted it something that John Paxson said, where it's like, oh, he was a bench big that would be worth too much money, yep. and Bobby said something, and the best response I said, uh, Bobby, can you play the three or play defense? Yeah, exactly. That's what someone said Dang. on Twitter. Can you play the three or defense? You can't do either. Bulls fans, let us know what you think of the Otto Porter trade. Again, I think if you're just thinking of, you know, and we're not going to do anything with the cap space. And, you know, for rebuilding teams, it is uh, essential because you could take on bad contracts and get, uh, you know, younger players and picks. But also this team's kind of getting to the age of you have these players in their starting lineup where now it's time to see if they can actually play uh, together and be successful. So you got to go out and get players like a John Morant to kind of fill out that starting five and, and start making that push towards Hopefully it. Hopefully we're like the Kings from two years ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hope so. Um, but you're not going to be because Jim Boylan is going to be a head coach and Garpax is still in full force. Uh, anyways. Only for one more year at the worst, right? No, they could sign him long term. Please don't. Please I'm just don't. saying, don't don't put a cap don't, on evil. Don't wish that juju on me, Ricky. Bobby. Ricky, they've been there for 15 years. Yeah, so I, uh, I don't think, you know. It's not for sure written in snow. There's no uh, term limit on Garpax. What? (laughs) So Thibodeau's looking for a job, right? There's no no term (laughs) limit on Garpax, though. So uh, there isn't a for sure out. Uh, Anyways, that's going to do it, though, for the Fast Break Podcast. If you did listen, thank you so much for listening to our uh, eight-segment monster. I think it might end up being nine. Uh, Eight-segment, six-segment, seven-segment monster uh, of a podcast. We appreciate it. Everybody who listens on iTunes, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, uh, even on YouTube. If you're watching the full podcast right now on YouTube, if you're listening to the segment of the Out of Poor segment, uh, don't forget to like it. Uh, subscribe as well. We got over 15,000 uh, subscribers. Yeah. Uh, so shout out to you guys. We appreciate that. Uh, and you guys are absolutely fantastic. Also, thank you to all of our patrons. Uh, Patreon.com slash most of the podcast is where you can become a patron. Uh, if you want to be on a podcast, talk about what you want uh, with us for 30 minutes, uh, that's where you can do that at the $10 range. But also, we're going to be updating it. Uh, we got some cool new stuff coming up soon uh, on our Patreon, pa- Patreon page, uh, updating it for you guys. Uh, so hopefully, uh, it makes it a little more incentivizing uh, for you guys to become a patron. But thank you so much for listening. For Dave Oster, for Rick Wibmer, uh, I'm Sean Anderson. See you next time. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.